0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the July 13th City Commission meeting. Before we get the meeting going, we'll have Porter O'Neill, our Communications and Creative um, Creative Resources Director, say a few words about the operation of the meeting.
1: Thank you, Mayor, and good evening, everyone. Um, I just want to share some housekeeping items for this hybrid um, meeting. This meeting is being broadcast and recorded on the City of Lawrence YouTube channel The public chat function is disabled, all chats will go directly to me. When you are not participating in the meeting, please mute your microphone. When you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. You will still be able to hear the meeting. You can turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating allows the active meeting participants to be seen on screen. If you have any trouble, please send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute microphones and or turn off people's video to minimize distractions. And now I'll return the meeting to Mayor Finkeldy.
0: Thank you, Porter. And now we'll have Sherry Wiedemann, our city clerk, talk about the public participation process in tonight's meeting.
2: Thank you, Mayor. Um, Just gonna, again, outline how public comment will be facilitated for tonight's meeting. When public comment is sought on an item, the mayor will first call on those participating in person. Individuals wishing to provide public comment should approach the podium following social distancing and safety protocols. Participants who are required to or choose to wear a mask may remove their mask while making remarks at the podium. Please state your name before speaking and comments will be limited to three minutes. The mayor will then call on those participating virtually. Individuals providing public comment via Zoom should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. The raise hand function may appear in different places on your Zoom menu, depending on the device you are using and which version of Zoom you have. Individuals will be called upon by name in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute and state your name. Comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sherry. The first item on the agenda is to approve the agenda. The city reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder during the meeting. Does any commissioner wish to change the agenda or I'd look for a motion.
3: I I move to approve the agenda.
0: Second. Moved by Commissioner Ananda, seconded by Commissioner Lawson. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes five to zero. Next on the agenda is the consent agenda. All matters listed on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and will be approved by one motion. There'll be no separate discussion on those items. If discussion is desired, that item will be removed from the consent agenda and will be considered separately. Members of the public wishing to speak to an item that has been pulled off the consent agenda will be limited to three minutes for comments. To begin, does any commissioner wish to pull an item off the consent agenda?
4: Mayor, I'd like to pull B7C.
0: Any other commissioners? Any member of the public like to pull an item off the consent agenda? Okay. Stratford Water Tower Park Project. Okay. Um, I'll make sure I find the number here.
2: Mayor, that's B four B.
0: There it is. B four B you have a different item or the same item?
5: Same
0: item. Okay, excellent. Does um, any member Hello. of the public on Zoom wish to pull any item off the consent agenda? If so, please raise your hand using the raise your hand function. We'll let Sherry know and she'll call upon you. Uh,
2: Mayor, there are no other items pulled.
0: Thank you, Sherry. I'd look for a motion on the consent agenda besides the two items that have been pulled.
3: Move to approve the consent agenda, accepting items B4B and B7C.
6: Second.
0: Motion by Commissioner Nanda, second by Commissioner Lawson. All those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes 5 to 0. The first item um, pulled from the agenda is B4B on um, the Water Tower Park there's three people who want to do that. So I'll call upon each of you to have three minutes. Um, whichever one, whoever wants to come first.
7: Thank you so much. My name is Lynn Segebrecht. I am the home directly across from Water Tower Park at 1647 Oxford. I am here today to make a plea to you to table the instigation of this project and the progression of it given the fact that we know the city commission charged the planning commission with having a conversation with the neighborhood prior to implementation of this project that has not been attempted in any way shape or form we have emailed among our neighbors most of the day today and yesterday to confirm this it has not been undertaken no dates have been floated So that condition has not been met. I should probably also let you know that Planning Commissioner uh, Leah Morris sent a letter to a realtor who happened to forward it on to one of the members of our neighborhood commission, our neighborhood group, who has been in constant contact with you all since the beginning of this project's discussion. She claims in this that there was conversation with the neighborhood and therefore Black and Beach is requesting an extra $41,000 plus because of the neighborhood input. There hasn't been any neighborhood input. So that needs to be clarified. I know that you all have the integrity to want public input. And so far, it has been denied every step of the way. And I am pleading with you because of the miscommunication that has taken place, the exorbitant cost of this project. And what my architect friend in Kansas City, who is head of a design team, tells me will be astronomical increases in material costs to table this until a better time and until conversation could take place with those of us who are so directly impacted my property value is going to decrease by $100,000. Thank you for your consideration. I hope you will listen to us and pull this. Thank you.
5: Regina,
8: you're welcome to go next. Hi, I'm Regina Krause. Um, I just urge you to um, remove this item from your consideration until there are more meaningful communications with the neighborhood. Um, A project of this import, I think, should have um, um, started with neighborhood um, participation and instead we were pulled in near the end of design, um, namely by Commissioner Larson um, reaching out to our neighborhood association, So the design team never really initiated communication with us to begin with. Um, um, This project site is located in a dense, um, long established residential neighborhood. Uh, We take great care among one another um, on small residential projects. If someone's adding a garage, uh, we have a committee who reviews that and we act as liaisons between neighbors to open communication and, um, you know, Kind of keep us all on the same team and to not make moves that um, negatively impact one another so we ask the same of the city Um, instead this project's being treated as if it's being placed on an open site like the tower that was just added a few years back i don't know the name of it but it's in west lawrence just off of sixth street Uh, it's an open field where there may be a neighborhood developed there eventually but it can respond to the impact of that tower being there um, before the neighborhood was developed. We instead have long been present and this tower will plop down in the middle of our established neighborhood. Um, That said, this um, request for increased engineers design fee of 41,000 approximately, that's just a small drop in the bucket um, of I think the consequential costs of this project to the neighborhood, to the quality of life um, where we are Um, I think we could have saved by taking a more um, neighborhood inclusive approach from the beginning Um, this project could be exciting Uh, it's necessary we understand Um, it could be an opportunity we're spending a lot of money the park needs some attention Um, yes there will be a water tower in the park but it could have been an opportunity to make something um, that will contribute to the community Um, but that's not what we're, um, looking at right now. The adjustments being made at this level by the engineering team, it's, I hate the term, but it's like lipstick on a pig is what it comes down to. It's not really going to change the heart of the project. Um, the project needs closer study, careful study, um, meaningful, uh, neighborhood engagement, um, because of its location within an established residential neighborhood and, Its um, job as a landmark for Lawrence um, as a whole. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Before my three minutes start, I'd like to request to distribute this to the commissioners. It's a QR code to an online petition that has three hundred and forty-nine signatures as of this moment to try to stop the Water Park project. That's in three days. All right, so my name is Ray Sagerbrecht. I am from Lawrence originally, um, a physician. I work in Kansas City. And this park's been really dear to our family. Uh, My grandpa founded that area and all those beautiful, enormous trees, 10 of which or more are being proposed to be destroyed under the current plan. Didn't exist at that time, but they're beautiful now. Every day I go by, I look and I see all the squirrels playing around and the birds and beautiful sounds and sights. It glows orange at night and there's also foxes and possums that share it at night. Could I get a show of hands how many of the commissioners have spent over 30 minutes there over the last six months? With Commissioner Larson, thank you. Yet the rest of you, besides Commissioner Larson, presumed to order its destruction at the last meeting when this was discussed. Those animals have no voice, nor do the kids who play soccer there every single day. This project would disable that structure of their field for an entire year, and it also would take away half of the field where they play every day. You can go, and if you spend time there, you'll see they play there every day. They have no voice, so I'm lending my voice to them Take out your phones and go to this survey, or you could probably Google it. In less than three days, we have 350 signatures, over $300 raised, that's over 100 a day. You may say the petition isn't valid, but wait, we had a petition that was valid and you ignored that with your last vote. We played by the rules and realized that they were written to create the facade of listening to the people, by design. Leah Morris got countless minutes, the community got three apiece. We got firmly scolded every time we went over the three minute rule, and she and the Planning Commission broke every rule on the special use permit and got it approved, including violating that tier three category that any other solution, and this is the master plan that supersedes it, should be considered first. 500 to one, or 350 to one. You sided with her over the 350, that's not democracy, but next month is, and a number of you are running. This is a point where, like in Harry Potter, you choose between doing what is right and doing what is easy. No one's perfect, we all make mistakes, but what makes a good person is you respond and you do right after you know you've made a mistake. In medicine, we always tell the patient when we make a mistake and then we do right. That's a grain from us from day one. So you have the right to give and take away this project. You have the right to give and take away a beautiful space. And I think you should do the right thing. You know, it's a sacred privilege being where you are and us putting our trust in you with our vote. And it's not easy to override a planning commission or break a contract, but the will of the people superseded that contract. So did the city plan that it violates. You see, you had that contract first when you took your oath of office to respect and serve the will of the people, and that supersedes any other. So you can ignore us and hurt our city, hurt our democracy, hurt our innocent children and wildlife in the park and animals. And next month, when 350 or more of us vote, we can remove you from office or you can listen and you can vote to take away this project and do what's right
0: thank you any other member of the public present like to speak on this item any member of the on zoom like to speak on this item please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature or let sherry know and sherry will call upon you
2: steve (laughs) skinnell
9: Thank you, Mayor. Um, Like uh, some of my colleagues who already spoke, I'm here tonight to uh, ask you to table the action on uh, this agenda item uh, uh, for approving additional design fees on this project until after a meeting is held with the uh, neighbors and uh, the engineers and city staff to discuss the changes that they proposed to implement, which are covered under these design meetings, and uh, a meeting which, by the way, you asked them to do uh, over five months ago. Um, city staff did confirm uh, several months ago that they had the options ready to share with us. Uh, and the engineers confirmed in their fee proposal that's in your agenda item that they've updated the site plan to reflect those changes. Uh, but staff indicated they won't share those options with us until an agreement is reached on the McGrew sewer easement Um, but that easement won't affect the rest of the project in any material way and it should not hold hostage the review of the updated design drawings before any additional design fees are considered the preliminary drawings that show the proposed changes should be reviewed with the neighbors and with the commissioners so we can all agree that the proposed changes are acceptable and that the additional design fees are based on all of the required modifications. As a reminder of the key changes and details that I felt could and should be implemented in which I asked the city commission to advise staff that you support, I've attached to my uh, submitted written comments, um, a uh, a copy of my public meeting comments from the February 2nd commission meeting. Uh, Hopefully city staff and engineers have agreed to implement these uh, but we won't know until we see their updated drawings. Um, I would also ask that you direct staff to work with the neighbors and with city parks and rec personnel to complete the master plan of, uh, park improvements, uh, for recreational uses that are to be implemented in coordination with the water tower project. Again, before you approve any additional design fees for this project doing that would ensure that if any of the recreational improvements require adjustments, in the water tower project scope or details, they can also be addressed in a timely manner and would be included in any additional fees that you approve. I'd also point out that there's been a significant amount of time and uh, that that could have been occurring. And I think that it uh, is something that uh, still should be started and completed uh, in a timely way. Uh, Also given that we are now into the summer vacation season and a number of us will be out of town or unavailable for one or two week periods, I would also ask that you direct city staff to commit to meeting with the neighbors at the earliest date and time that works for us and allow us to pull our group to identify several date and time options from which city staff and the engineers can pick the date that works best for them uh, rather than allow city staff to unilaterally select a date that may not work for some of the neighbors. Uh, So thank you for your ongoing support and uh, the neighborhood's concerns and for our mutual goals. Thank you.
10: Kimberly Hedrick Hello, um I'm Kimberly Hedrick. I live on Oxford Road across the street from Water Tower Park. As you are aware, the community is overwhelmingly opposed to this project. Feeling beside, however, I would like to point out several contradictions between the Water Tower project and the comprehensive plan Uh, Plan 2040 for unincorporated Douglas County. The general, uh, excuse me, special use permit, initial requirements that accompanied the application submitted in late 2020 states a requirement for drawings and data necessary to demonstrate that the proposal is in general conformance with the comprehensive plan. Plan 2040 identifies water towers as being tier three tier three being defined as being the lowest priority for the city plan 2040 also states that tier three land is not designated to be annexed within this plant's horizon unless the proposal is found to be the only way to address the identified community need and provide community benefits we know that building a new tower is not the only way as the existing tower can't be repaired Additionally, the comprehensive plan states that annexation into Lawrence shall be economical and efficient for all parties. It is a well-known fact that as a result of COVID-19 pandemic, building materials, especially steel and electrical components, cost considerably more, steel having already gone up by over 100%. It is not economical to force through a project that will end up costing 40 to 50% more during of the current economic crisis with 20 years of life left in the existing water tower it is frivolous and is considered to commit over three million dollars to a project that the city of lawrence itself has identified as low priority and goes against the 2040 comprehensive plan let alone commit an additional 40,000 dollars plus to an engineering firm trying to spearhead a project that's going to cost taxpayers considerably more money I'm hopeful that this office will reconsider the approval of this special use permit based on the current climate and written and adopted components of Lawrence's 2040 comprehensive plan. Thank you.
2: If there's anyone else on Zoom who'd like to provide public comment, please either raise your hand virtually or um, turn on your video. That's all the public comment on this item there.
0: Thank you, Sherry. I'll bring it back to the Commission for questions or comments
6: yeah mayor um i would like to hear from staff about um, the community engagement part and what they perceived was their job to do regarding that
11: commissioner larson am i approved to speak on behalf of the project at this point yes okay um so um i really appreciate everybody's public comment i know that this process is not easy uh you know we went through two planning commission meetings as well as two city commission meetings to get the special use permit approved for the location of the proposed new tower um, which we talked about at length um yes we are planning for additional public engagement the Uh, property acquisition is something that i have been working with legal upon and making sure that we're identifying all of the options in terms of the easement acquisition so that there isn't potential for the site plan to change based on those easement acquisitions there has been significant coordination efforts um, with other utilities um, regarding this project Um, namely Evergy, as well as douglas county emergency management um as well as even internal city coordination with the ami project and everything that's facilitated for the ami project as well as the cellular and cable carriers that currently have satellites hosted on the current tower um we are uh, actively coordinating with all of those groups to make sure that they understand the proposed changes and to make sure that they are also um, being incorporated into the project and any utility easements that are required for the project because there are existing utility lines there Um, and then the appraisal process uh, also takes diligence and time i have worked with city legal um, uh extensively in order to make sure that we're communicating these things accurately um, and trying to meet the needs of the property owners um, to make sure that we're presenting the material in in the way that they would like to see it um, and then you know trying to allocate additional costs for um, the engineering contract which is what is on agenda tonight um, the scope is attached to the item. Um, some of those things like the extended drive, um, the widened drive, the options with potential uh, concrete stamping, as well as lighting, as well as landscaping options. That's all what's being looked at as far as the conversations that took place with the planning commission as well as the city commission and the public input in regards to those meetings to develop these options um and further pursue them and not only pursue them with just the consultant but with internal city staff to make sure that we are supportive of you know what the consultant you know recommends for lighting and trees because again these things are going to be operated and maintained um, by, by the city, we as the owners, and we want to make sure that we're not putting something in place that doesn't um, meet the need, or if we have had issues with uh, the, you know certain types of lighting in the past, or if there's something that Parks and Rec would prefer to see in that park, so that we can give the public the options that we can also support holistically. Um, I've been working with Parks and Rec, and you know specifically Crystal Miles and facility maintenance um, to make sure that what I'm presenting in terms of the public input and the uh, choices that we will be giving um, are are going to be supported by the city and not something that we spend a lot of money on, knowing that it might get broken and we can't replace it for whatever reason, and we want to maintain it. Um, also, making sure that we have. Local manufacturers to give, uh, to do the concrete stamping that we're requesting as well as the stains. Um, I guarantee you that I have <laughs> been doing extensive research on all of these things um, in order to, again, provide sustainable options. Um, and then there's additional permitting that is needed for the project for FAA that was determined with coordination with Douglas County. Um, and then upon looking at, extending a sanitary sewer up on Cambridge Road associated with um, the sanitary sewer that we're trying to tie into and giving the property owner that we're asking for utility easement from some options there because it isn't just about the water tower at that point. There are sanitary sewer connection issues and code, um, code issues to the north there. Um, that we are also trying to address as part of the project because, again, we're trying to look at things holistically and provide better options for the residents. So, and again, all of these things take additional time and design, and I want to make sure that we're, you know, being transparent in this process. I'm currently working with Porter and Josh on the public engagement. Um, We're looking at dates in the beginning of August for this. As soon as I have, you know, the document, which will be, We will be hosting a meeting in the park we will also be putting publishing this online and we will also be hosting um, a kind of a drop box at city hall so that we're giving every option for people to put in their input um, on this project but i want to make sure that the information is accurate and that we can obtain the materials that we're giving options on that is taking time and in terms of the speaking to the materials pricing and everything else um we are diligently paying attention to this and getting opinion of um, costs um, on all the projects, quite frankly, in, in the capital realm, and really trying to make sure that we're not going over budget. Um, if the project does come in bid over, over budget, then we have to evaluate that um, as a department and as a city and figure out you know, what, how we're going to fund the project. Um, or shelf the project until prices come back down or they're more sustainable. Um, Those conversations are are happening all the time, again, with all the projects. So I I think I've covered a lot of the topics that people have discussed. Um, I try to continue to have conversations with um, the neighborhood as they call me and email me, which they definitely do, um, to make sure that I'm keeping them uh, abroad of, of the project. But um, I really hope that the commission considers approval of the site so that we can continue on. And again, it's it's with the design of this project, so that we can do the project, the due diligence. Thank you.
6: Thank you, Leah. I just have a follow-up question. So, did you indicate that you've been um, you've been engaging with the neighborhood association and the neighbors in that area regarding some of these hurdles that you're happen to to overcome?
11: Um, I haven't, uh, as, as people have reached out independently, um, I've transpired that, um, I, again, you know, some of the things that have taken a little bit longer than anticipated in terms of some legal things and some corresponding with, with Douglas County. Um, I, I guess I, I haven't, you know, shared that with the community. Um, I I would like to ultimately make sure that the project Website remains up to date, and I can do. Um, you know, the team can do a, a better job moving forward of kind of putting where we're at now in terms of the anticipated schedule and what we're currently working on. Um, you know, but ultimately, the you know the questions out of the out of the public, I I have answered every single email and phone call and question that I get in regards to the project. Um, I emailed out the homeowners Association um, in terms of this agenda item again because this has been the first real milestone that has been on the agenda since or anything um, transpired since we had the meeting in January and February so I just want to make sure that you know as things come forward that we are continuing to do that um, and you know again engaging the public when we have, the options that we can sustain and are ready for that.
0: Thank you. I guess when I read this agenda item, I read it as um, making an amendment so that we could do this additional work with the neighbors and we could update the plans as we previously discussed. Um, It seems like there's been some communication or some thought that this is for work that's already been performed and i guess i'm trying to make sure i understand what the amendment is for um
11: so as we looked into the evaluations of some of the lighting and some of the tree options again we have to understand you know we almost enter into somewhat a preliminary discussion about what that takes uh, as well as the permitting but all of these things in terms of the additional driveway things, the additional lighting, uh, the additional landscape, the additional, the additional meetings, which it's shown on the scope, um, have already been done because again, those were performed back in. So they didn't have those scoped, and that is work that they have already done, but everything else is currently ongoing, but it's, you know, there all been preliminary discussions about what was originally scoped and what was not. Um, And so these are the things that were not in the original scope and some of them were perpetuated by, you know, what was directed by planning commission, city commission, and again, you know, the comments that came out of the public at that point. And then some of these things um, were due to coordination with Douglas County and other utilities and identifying um, the proposed sanitary sewer extension if uh, we go in that direction for the Cambridge Road, um, depending on the utility easement, so.
0: And, and I think I, I followed that. I guess, I mean, certainly I understood that we ask for additional work to be done, and makes sense that people get paid for the additional work that we ask to be done, the redesign and so forth. Um, I mean, if if this takes three, four, five meetings with the neighbors, back to us, possibly going through all that, is that covered in this scope of work or would we be looking at a different amendment after this?
11: Um, Leah Morris, uh, treatment division manager, sorry, I haven't been uh, (laughs) stating that this whole time. Um, So we have public engagement as part of the scope and we have also allocated other areas um, to influx in that public engagement. Ultimately, the majority of the meeting with the public will be handled by internal city staff. Um, I have coordinated with Sandy Day. She's been the very helpful planner, you know, via this process. I've also coordinated and asked for Mark Hecker, um, Assistant Director for Parks and Rec to also attend that in-person meeting at the park, because I feel that the public is going to want to give input during that point um, to the park and ultimately the master plan Um, And as you'll see on the later documents um, that park master plan is not budgeted as part of this project or this year, but I think that the input from the neighborhood during those meetings will be very valuable. Um, And at that point uh, I don't have black and beach scheduled to do public input at the park at that point, because it will be city staff, but they still do have some public engagement as on their original scope. So um, if we have additional extensive planning commission meetings based on other changes, um, I, you know that, that would be dictated at that point. I'm just trying to scope what is put forth now and the changes that are, are directed now and try and cover the basis. But the location and the tower type um, were the main things because that's ultimately the, the main part of this design. And so the majority of the, de- the design and, and the construction services for that, once we're ready for that are covered within the scope. Um, so we talked about additional things that might come in, but, but I don't really foresee going needing additional scope for this project at this point, unless there are major changes.
0: Thank, thank you Other questions, okay. comments. Yeah.
6: So Leah, did we sign that contract with black and beach after the SUP was performed? Or was approved by the commission?
11: Um, Leah Morris, Treatment Division Manager. I'm sorry, Commissioner Larson, can you repeat your sure, question? Sure, sorry
6: about that. Did When did <laughs> we sign the contract with Black and Beast to proceed with the project? Was it after the SUP was approved?
11: Um, Leah Morris, Treatment Division Manager. No, Commissioner Larson. The, the contract was approved um, via City Commission after we hosted um, RFPs for the project. So that initial very first scope that is standard for engineering services agreements that we see in the typical time. Um, So we were already into the contract when we um, put forth the SUP.
6: Okay, thank you.
0: Any other questions, comments?
6: Mayor, so, if I could. Oh, go ahead. So again, Lee, you've listed out numerous things obviously that you've got to go through in order to get projects approved and and and, and built. Um, and I appreciate that. That's kind of the nature of the beast with these things. So you'd also talked about a public engagement schedule that you were looking at that you're developing. Is there have you been Notifying the neighborhood association about the public engagement schedule to see where they are with with them being able to be a part of that.
11: Uh, Leah Morris, treatment division manager, um, Commissioner Larson, I have reached out to um, some of the neighborhood residents that have communicated with me in the past trying to understand what they're seeing as the overall somewhat park schedule um parks and rec obviously has anything that's signed up for that park or asked for permission to utilize that park but if they're seeing um you know kickball practices or anything like that i was trying to understand what when those took place Um, and ultimately when we're you know through the document in terms of looking at the options, um, I can provide numerous dates to reach out. And I intended to give um, at least three weeks notice in terms of that time frame, so that people could have the opportunity um, to schedule that. And again, I wanted to make sure that A, we provided a time on site at the park. Um, I was gonna provide an additional time at city hall. And again, kind of have a drop box for the survey that we're providing. Um, And then, as well as an online survey. So, I'm, you know, we're trying to give everybody uh, multiple avenues to give their input in regards to the project um, and the public engagement that we're asking for.
6: Thank you. Thank you for that. So, have you directly contacted the neighborhood association in regards to the plans for public engagement?
11: leah morris treatment division manager no commissioner larson i have not and until the docu- until the document is ready um, and approved by our internal team especially with public engagement you know um who we have on staff to make sure that it's formatted and directed um, how we want with our you know again really trying to focus on public engagement as part of the capital plan in general i want to make sure i have internal approval from everybody in city management before I reach out to start giving that because I don't want to um, provide something that is inadequate and that hasn't been reviewed by um, people that are more professional in the public engagement world than myself. So I, I anticipate that uh, we, we're working through it actually, you know, there was some stuff on it today. I don't anticipate it to be very much longer before that document is approved. And again, I I really do anticipate looking at August dates for this um, participation.
6: Um, Thank you, Leah. Other
0: questions, comments? Well, certainly I think um, you know, you know the, the public wants to be involved in this, and it sounds like we need them involved. In I mean, we're going to plan to have them involved in this. I do think it's a fair request um, to make sure we have a couple different times available. Um, I'm going to be on vacation in early August. I don't know if others are as well, so I certainly think we want to be flexible on that, especially since it's um, city staff, not necessarily Black and Veatch, being at that, so that we have. Um, you know, maximum, you know, input from the neighbors and the ones that you know, obviously have a lot of input to give on this. And I know um, fo- the folks here, including Steve online, um, you know, is very very interested in seeing what comes of this and then being able to have input on that. I mean, I would, of course, no one has seen the, what the, f- the first draft is going to look like, but I would assume that... Um, I mean, I guess there's always a chance that the first draft covers everything everyone's interested in, but I would assume that um, there'd be comments and and suggested changes in a follow-up meeting um, that took those into account, that sort of thing. So that would be what I expect in a public engagement process. Um, And so, I mean, to me it makes sense that we ask for these changes, we need to pay black of each for the changes that we asked black of each to make and i think as a as a legal matter that's important um and so i'm supportive of this particular agenda item especially now that i understand some of what is what is in that Um, but I, i do think we have a long way to go on you know getting this to the finish line and um you know whatever that ends up looking like so um you know again as as folks said, we have to have a water tower. we have to have a water tower that works, and we need to keep working towards that, so.
6: So I'm going to continue on the path that I followed from the beginning is to vote no for this. Um, It it seems to me that the public engagement part we're still working on, obviously, but the fact that it's been five months and um, staff have not even notified or talked to the neighborhood association regarding their, their status or their progress. And I understand that this is a lengthy process, it's complicated, but we need to engage early and engage often with the, with the neighborhood associations where this is being impacted. So I'm gonna vote no. Other
0: comments? Motions?
4: Um, Vice mayor? So to speak to the mayor's point, Commissioner Larson, the matter of paying black and beach for the work they've already done um how would that play out in in your in your mind here
6: well i'm going to vote no so that's as far as it plays out at this point in time you know as i did with in the beginning of the project
4: Mm -hmm. um how when something is um Mangled with um, public engagement. How do we ever get back to the beginning, uh, to the satisfaction that creates trust with the homeowners association?
6: Well, I, th- I think it goes to what I said, and that is, you got to engage early, engage often with the neighborhood associations, and, and that seems to be an issue on this particular project, and I know it has been on others. And I know we're working on public engagement. We're We're doing some different things and and we're going, we're going to work till we get this right on the community engagement. Um, So So I guess I'm, I, my message is just sending that, that the process that was followed in order for this project to happen, I just am not satisfied with it at all. And I I would hope that it was in a message that we've got to do better if I'm going to vote on these things.
3: This is Ms. On hey, Go Good. I would move that we authorize the city manager to execute supplemental agreement number two with Black & Veatch Corporation in the amount of forty-one thousand one hundred seventy-one dollars for the Stratford water tower replacement project.
12: This is Commissioner Boley. Um, as I second this, I would like to uh, concur with Commissioner Larson that you know we need to do a better job on community engagement, but. I feel the obligation to support this because of the, the contractual obligations. So I will second.
0: So motion by Commissioner Nanda, second by Commissioner Bolle. Um All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Nay. Um, passes four to one. Um, okay, now we'll on to B7. Six, I believe, Vice Mayor Shipley. You pulled that item? Yeah, it
4: was ab seven six or B seven C? I'm sorry, I, that's okay. I, I can't read
0: my own handwriting. <laughs> that's a B seven C, though. Yes.
4: Um. This is the um bicycle. Well, I'm getting to it again here. Apologize, everyone. Um. Five-year plan for a sidewalk, bike, pet improvements project. Um, to be honest, Mayor, I would, if if I just had my druthers, it would be to uh, just bump this to next week and us all just move on to the main event. Um, uh, but I understand anyone might uh, be suspicious of my. Uh, motivations there I promise it's not just to fuss about sidewalks uh, my concern was um, my concern was um, and I, and I think Commissioner Boley will find common cause with me here is uh, the item which is the Massachusetts sidewalk from I believe 14th to 23rd. Sorry, 21st to 23rd. And I bring that up because on our CIP projects for 2023, which we may or may not discuss later, um, there is another project, which is um, a study of this whole area from 14th to 23rd. And my concern was these two projects being uh, kind of disconnected from each other. We may end up spending money that um, we may in the future regret um uh, i'm sure commissioner boley recalls that he and i hope great things for some changes in that area of massachusetts street for bicycles and pedestrians so i just didn't want um Uh, us to come a year later and do a study and say oh no we should have done a multi-use path or we should have done a protected bike lane and narrowed I just think there's a lot of options in that space and I I just didn't want this to get disappeared uh, because it just wasn't connected to another project. And that that other project in the CIP, um, for anyone's information, is MS23-0065, uh, which in the packet for us that printed them out is page 39. Um, it does uh, specifically talk about um, improving bike pedestrian facilities, um, connections to the um, other larger streets, 19th and 23rd. So um, that, that was the reason. But again, I actually didn't want to waste time on this. <laughs> I thought maybe we could bump it to next week and spend a little more time on it and move on to the main event. Um,
10: thanks, Mayor.
0: Well, I'm interested At least in hearing a a response to that, I guess. Um, So I know what I'm thinking about, even if we defer it. I don't know if
6: Jake is available. What project that was.
13: Yes, Jake Baldwin, engineering program manager. Um, I understand your concerns, Commissioner Shipley, and I think um, some some further thought may be um, prudent there. Um, However, I I would um, maybe ask... Um, that if that's one of your concerns that maybe we um, approve the plan with that exception or maybe swap um, our West 9th project with our Massachusetts C- Street project that way that the money could be committed next year. And then we can reassess this next year if we bring the, the five-year plan for approval every year. Um, if that's something that may be amenable, I think that uh, maybe answers your question or at least gives you the time to, to get your answers.
4: Mayor, I do have another question, but it's going to take me a minute to scroll to it. I think you might have had a question, too.
0: Well, you know, now that you mentioned that, Jake, I I did have a question about the 9th Street Project, and I thought, well, because it wasn't until 2023, I'd have time to address that. (laughs) Um, But now, if you're talking about swapping it, um, the 9th Street Project, you know, it's proposing the sidewalk in front of the rock wall on on 9th street and I know about 10 years ago that was going to be a very expensive project such that our neighborhood group there asked instead of paying for that sidewalk could we get the get a crossing the pedestrian crossing and and we did get the pedestrian crossing which I was I and my neighbors were appreciative of but now that project's back and it only has $50,000 assigned to that. Have we, have we worked something out with that homeowner? Or have we had a different discussion on how we can get that sidewalk past that rock wall?
13: Jake Baldwin, engineering program manager. I'm not terribly familiar with the excess expenses um, with that small segment of sidewalk, um, Mayor. I would have to look into that further to, to see um, what that expense would be. Um, However, I, you know, if, if we need to, we could just postpone the P-12 Massachusetts Street and, and not swap anything. But I'll leave that to your
12: guys' discretion. I would like to thank Commissioner Shipley, Vice Mayor Shipley, for her attention to this. Um, I agree. I think we should take a real look at the whole thing instead of just doing the sidewalk. So I'd be happy to postpone that project. And you know, if we don't have anything to swap it out, then let's just go ahead without that
4: I appreciate that uh, Commissioner Boley but in addition if we if we're gonna do that I do want to bring something up um, uh, to Jake just so he looks at it for whenever we uh, reevaluate it the last uh, see page 25 of 27 the non-motorized project prioritization policy gives the list and the scores and the last column you know has these lovely colors and I, just, I was a little curious, S- some of the ones that are selected don't have costs in the last column. Um, but of course, many of the other ones that are not funded do. So I, I, if you don't have an answer, that's fine. Hopefully we'll talk about this next week. But I didn't wanna catch you unawares next time.
13: Uh, Jake Baldwin, engineering program manager. Um, at, at quick glance, I think a lot of those projects are crossing projects. And it's not really easy to compare those to a pedestrian project where we're looking at cost per linear foot obviously a, a crossing project is just not going to be an apples to apples comparison there
4: thank you
0: so J- jake are you asking that we approve it tonight for a reason so we can get them? is there something or, or is deferring it to next week okay to consider it then
13: um, Jake Baldwin, Engineering Program Manager. Um, I don't see there being a real rush if you want more time to consider.
0: Commissioner, is that what you're asking?
4: I, I would appreciate that if, if anyone besides Commissioner Boley would join me in just bumping it one week for a little more time.
6: I'm
2: amenable to that.
6: I'm good with that.
12: Yeah. Thank Move you. Move to defer.
2: Second. Mayor, sorry. Since we op- there was a lot of discussion about this, I do think you should open it up for public comment. I know you're deferring it, but we really... Thank you. Had a, had a pretty detailed conversation about the item.
0: That's a good point. Um, before we take the motion, we'll take public comment on this item. If any member of the public who's here would like to speak on the item, seeing none, if any person online um, would like to speak on this item, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature.
2: Mayor, there's no public comment on this item.
0: See no public comment, but thank you, Sherry, for pointing that out. Um, there is a motion by Commissioner Bully, a second by Vice Mayor Shipley, to defer Item B7C to next week. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed. Passes five to zero. We are now on to public comment. The public is allowed to speak on items or issues that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. As a general practice, the Commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the Commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Individuals should address all comments and questions to the Commission. Each person will be limited to three minutes. If any person has an item they'd like to make in, um general public comment, please let me know. Okay, seeing no one in person. If anyone online would make, like to make general public comment, please raise your hand using the raise your hand feature and Sherry will call upon you. Of course, the budget's a pretty broad topic, so I'm not sure <laughs> if, <laughs> there'll be a few things people could talk about that's not in the budget, but.
2: Chad Osdale.
14: Hello, it's me again, Chad Osdale, MSO, asking the same stupid questions as to why it is that we're evaluated differently than other departments in MSO. Well, I would like to think that we were all evaluated using the appraisal process written in the handbook. But... uh, What department is scored and evaluated as the handbook says? What departments other than MSO is scored using the two method? What other departments are scored using the two method, if any? All I'm asking for is if the MSO is scored differently than all other departments. Why is there nothing written anywhere telling MSO how they're scored and evaluated? They're just told it's using the two method. I believe we deserve at least to be told how and why we're evaluated differently and what the evaluation process is we're scored and evaluated by instead of being given a performance appraisal evaluation handbook and told this is what the city uses, and a year later when you're evaluated, you're told, oh, well, we use the two method in our department. We score things differently here with no explanation as to why or what the hell it is, just that it is, and that's all that it is, and you can Shut your mouth and go back to work. I've been asking this question for quite some time. And the city commissioners seem perfectly fine with the employees having no labor rights representation because they're the ones that deny it from us by opting out of PIRA, which costs the city absolutely nothing out of our pocket. It just means that there's somebody watching over their shoulder to make sure they do things properly. And that is the last thing that the city wants. I'm waiting next for and find out whether the 2.5% general wage adjustment is uh, going to be given to the unrepresented employees or if it's just going to be given to the rest of the city. Stupid question again, but I'll wait for the answer. Thank you very much.
2: That's all the public comment there.
0: Okay, we'll now move to the work session. Work sessions provide an opportunity for the commission to discuss items in greater detail. The commission shall take no binding action on those items listed on the work session, but may refer items to staff for follow-up. When public comment is sought on work session items, each person will be limited to three minutes for public comment. We now have the one work session item, which is to receive the city manager's recommended budget.
15: Thank you very much, mayor uh, city manager, Craig Owens. And it is my great um, privilege to um, present to you the uh, 2020 recommended budget. And this, this is a process that happens annually and it's required by uh, local and uh, state law that we start the process off with um, presentation of my, my proposal. Um, I want to thank, um, a number of people in getting to this stage because you reviewed the document and you know that uh, there's a lot that goes into getting to this point first of all the community um, this will be the first year that we really um, built a uh, built this budget around a strategic plan and the strategic plan was um, uh, started with a um, a lot of public engagement. We had over 3000 contacts building towards that. And then uh, countless hours uh, developing that strategic plan uh, with your help and guidance and uh, ultimate ratification. Um, We now build and start operationalizing the strategic plan using the, um, using the budget process where we allocate the resources of the the city and the community uh, to try and match its needs and requirements. Uh, I want to thank you all for the work to um, build a um, a very important guiding strategic document that makes this challenging work um, more guided and more directed, which is um, what you want in a high-performing organization. So I thank you for that clarity. Um, I also then, of course, want to thank um, our team, Uh, particularly uh, Danielle Bushcutter and Jeremy Wilmoth um, who you'll be hearing from uh, later who um, led our budget team which included our executive team and a number of staff throughout the organization in trying to build this program which for the first time aligns with the strategic priority list as we build the budget Uh, there were literally millions of possibilities of what we could have presented here today and uh, this is but one Um, we uh, put it together being mindful of balance uh, being responsive to what we understand from what the community has told us um, and to be proactive to be guiding towards another future to um, work these um, use these resources to build us towards a plan that's intentional and that's forward-looking um, The next several weeks in this budget process, we understand we will work to uh, gain a better understanding to deliver a better understanding of this very complex plan, uh, this financial plan and also this resource allocation. We want to share as much as we can about the thought that went into it. Uh, We look forward to those questions from you and then, of course, from the public that we um, have already heard from and that we look forward to engaging with through multiple uh, formal and informal processes in the next several weeks. Uh, and then to making the adjustments, because this is this is my proposal as a starting point, and then we look forward to making it the right budget for our community uh, through this process. So with that, I'm going to start with um, the presentation uh, formally, and then uh, uh, when we start to get into a little more detail, I'll hand it off. Um, so this is where I get to play Captain Obvious a little bit. Um, the Facing the ongoing impacts of COVID-19 has been in, incredibly challenging to our organization, to our community, to the people and uh, businesses and uh, members of our community, obviously, uh, to uh, the state. The, the country and the world. Um, nobody escaped being impacted. We continue to be impacted uh, in our organization and the way we uh, uh, provide services to the community. Uh, the resources that we use to do that are largely um, sales tax and property tax, Um, Sales tax has been incredibly volatile, which again, as I mentioned uh, in the uh, last meeting, we had a very positive June uh, sales tax report, which also means that our businesses are doing much better than they have been, Um, but it also has an impact on us. So we have had a lot of volatility and tried to manage through that with the way that we're projecting and building this budget. Uh, The guest tax and liquor tax have been significantly impacted. As well um, through this, uh, which also reflects on the businesses that are dependent on and producing that, but also affects those that um, are provided services uh, from that resource and then um, Uh, I would also say that um, we are seeing a a lot of increases in our building permits. And these are largely residential, but not exclusively residential, which is a great sign, but also uh, creates a demand on the way um, we provide services as that building happens. Uh, We've continued in this budget. We are continuing to provide essential services to continue those operation in virtually every uh, key area. And um, this, again, as I mentioned, is the first year that we'll be operationalizing the strategic plan. Um, I wanna highlight three very um, significant things that are included in this budget. And um, there are many, many other, many other programs that we're proud of and that we've continued or that we've uh, innovated to try and respond to the community's needs. Um, But the first one I wanna uh, talk about is the resources for housing security. So we will create a a new division within planning and development services of the housing initiatives division. um, And this will, this will be a reallocation of a number of resources. It'll be consolidation strategically around um, uh, housing and uh, homelessness and the response to that. Um, we're we're formally recognizing we're in the game Uh, we're organizing around this being a long haul and that we need to be um, organized responsive and coordinated with other parts of our government and the not-for-profit community particularly the county the state of kansas and the federal government Um, another highlight here is um, as we talked about earlier in this meeting is um, our commitment to infrastructure. Last year, I was uh, proud to uh, provide a plan for the first time, um, a five-year capital improvement plan uh, that was sustainable and that would be um, addressing our um, very um, deep backlog of deferred maintenance and capital investment across all of our systems um, that our communities dependent upon um, addressing this five-year uh, backlog is uh, is expensive it is a commitment and it's going to take sustained effort so year two is no more uh, no less meaningful than year one we have to keep at it next year and the year after and the year after that. This plan um, will will build us into a modern and uh, functional infrastructure which will be seeking a lowest cost of ownership so as to be less of an overall burden to our uh, future residents and stakeholders uh, and to provide the necessary services that our infrastructure creates. The next piece that I'd like to highlight is uh, bringing our compensation to uh, market rates. Um, This we will call the human infrastructure uh, of our uh, community's um, resource allocation for um, key services that we provide. In uh, 2018, uh, we adopted a plan uh, using a national consultant that gave us guidance on how to structure our compensation to balance um, extreme market pressures We are uh, close to a major market uh, within a driving distance. We share a a workforce with a major metropolitan area and others. um, And um, it is critical for us to pay attention to how we compete with um, people for the talent war that is on. Uh, For what we ask, uh, what our community asks uh, our employees to do um, requires us to pay very close attention to that. Um, That's what this... Uh, study did in 2018 was to help us with that. The other side of that balance is also that it manages um, the most expensive part of our allocation of taxpayer resources, and that is salaries and uh, wages and benefits for um, our professionals. We don't um, want it's important that we keep that in balance. Um, So we wanna stay competitive and we also uh, don't want to over allocate uh, so that we can stretch our resources to do the most good for our community. Um, So this plan implements uh, that over this year and next year, you will see an allocation of a 2.5% general wage adjustment. Um, And then there will be other factors such as addressing compression and um, some other key factors that were recommended in the 2018 study and that we had not yet addressed. Between this year and next year, we will have completely implemented all of the structural changes so that we have that modern pay system that will keep up with market and that will stretch our resources uh, to do the most good in our community. Um, As your early, um, your early, uh, direction uh, to us in the budget process and the pre-budget planning um, asked we did hold flat the mill levy rate um, and um, we did that uh, to continue these these projects the emphasis on the three items that I mentioned uh, as well as keeping all major services um, continuing the services there Um, This does assume a 4.3% increase um, on sales tax, which we believe is a very achievable level. Um, uh, Not overly optimistic, but does get us back into closer to what we expected on pre-pandemic. We also project to to maintain a 21% fund balance so that the unforeseen, we have resources to deal with the unforeseen and not lose uh, critical service. This is all really uh, only possible this year and next year because of uh, recovery and aid from the American Rescue Plan, federal aid uh, related to COVID-19. We believe that this is exactly what it was intended for. Uh, We are seeing service... um, service level demands people in our community need and depend on the services that we provide now more than ever. Um, as I mentioned, the infrastructure is a cr- critical thing that our economy and our uh, community depends on. Uh, we have to keep all of these moving forward uh, now more than ever. And with the assistance of um, the COVID-19 aid and federal uh, government, we were able to do these things and um, consolidate and prioritize uh, addressing the homelessness issues that were only uh, terribly exacerbated by um, the pandemic and the economic situation that occurred there. So, for the next two years, however, after we have this. Um, this aid that allows us this bridge to get to our future by 2024 we're still we're going to have to have put in place a sustainable plan uh, to um, to make this balance and to get our lines to um, meet back together and uh, produce a sustainable um, financial condition there are three basic ways that we're um, going to have to work as a community to plan to um, address this structural concern. The first is uh, in, in in some combination of these, service reductions, increased taxes andor rates and growth of the tax tax base everybody's a fan of growth of the tax base um, we are we are as well we put resources in here to continue to work with our community partners and build our economy grow our local economy grow our tax base uh, that is the um, least painful way to move forward in this and it's very important and I think we have very um, good reasoning to expect uh, that we will see good growth coming out of the um, out of the recession um, Increased in ta- increases in taxes or rates are not popular, but it's some uh, part of our conversation. And service reductions are very difficult for any organization to do. The things that we do for the community and stakeholders have um, deep connection with the people that benefit from them Um, and so when we start to talk about any kind of reduction any kind of a modification to what people are dependent on it is a a, a serious conversation that we need to take take on seriously so as you'll see and as we uh, move into this process and I hope that we talk about over the next few weeks publicly um, we we do have some plans to put an organized process we have time to have a community conversation so that we can get the balance right and get us get ourselves uh, situated by 2024 to be in a very sustainable and very positive financial position to continue on so this is the first uh, chart uh, that kind of shows this we just wanted to demonstrate that um, we won't go into too much detail now but that is our challenge um, so the increase um, between you see uh, in 2020 to 2021 I want to uh, help the audience understand that, that that increase in both revenue and expenditure is mostly attributable to the way we accounted for things differently internally. So that really didn't have a change other than we are um, we have internal service charges that, that show up on both sides of the balance sheet. So that's not an actual dollar change. It's more of the way that we're accounting for those dollars. So I wanted to explain that part. But the real highlight of this chart is intending to show the, the difference in the blue and the red red lines. That is not sustainable. That's where the revenue goes, fa- uh, goes up faster than, than the, or the, the uh, costs go up faster than the revenue. That's our, that's our conversation over the next year or so uh, that we look forward to having. With that, I'm going to hand it off to Danielle Bushcutter, um, who will take us through most of the rest of these presentations. But I, again, I want to thank you for the time here and look forward to the next few weeks of conversation.
16: Thank you very much, Craig. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to go through um, the next couple slides uh, here with you all that give kind of a high-level overview of those main revenue sources uh, that we typically talk about. Um, So as you can see here, um, these are our uh, property taxes and our assessed valuation over the the course of the last 10 years. Um, So you can see at the the beginning of these um, beginning years of this uh, chart, we were relatively flat, but starting in uh, 2014 and 2015, we really started to see some uh, positive growth uh, related to our assessed valuation uh, that we were experiencing for a number of years. Um, So, that trend has continued in 2021, which is the rate we use for the 2022 budget. So, we saw an increase Um, of about 2.47% over the previous year. Um, So we're continuing that positive growth trend, which is um, a really good sign. Um, One of the other things we um, typically talk about when we talk about property taxes, uh, just to provide a little bit of context, um, is that every time um, you pay your property tax bills, um, it's going to support a number of different governmental entities. So, the state of Kansas um, has one uh, percent of receives one percent of that dollar. Uh, the school district is thirty nine percent of that dollar. The county at thirty four percent. Um, And the city of Lawrence at 25%. Obviously, these percentages change a little bit. Um, All of us are going through um, this budget process at the same time. So this may change um, over the course of the next couple months and weeks. But generally speaking, uh, this is the breakdown that we see in our community. Um, Every time um, you as an individual pay $1 of property tax. So we always like to um, kind of provide that context. Um, moving over uh, to sales tax, um, this, again, uh, just is um, presented to you this evening to provide a little bit of that context. This, too, has seen some really positive growth over the last 10 years. Um, and what we're really seeing is um, obviously a reduction in impacts that we experienced uh, related to COVID. Um, but we're, we're seeing that rebound in 2021 and 2022. So um, we're really... Um, anticipating getting back to kind of that growth uh, trend line that we were on before um, uh, the pandemic. Um, So that's really what you're seeing reflected here um, is um, kind of that return back to that growth pattern we were seeing, which was in a really positive direction related to sales tax. Um, there are a number of, uh, personnel, um, additions that are included in the city manager's recommended budget. Um, I am going to spend a little bit of time this evening, um, walking through each of these in a little bit of detail, just to provide a little bit more context than just a list of additional FTEs. Um, so that, um, uh, you all are kind of aware of some of the, the kind of key, um, items related to each of these, uh, personnel, um, additions that are being proposed. Um, So the first is um, a sustainability analyst. And I should say at the front end of this, you're going to see a reoccurring theme when it comes to um, analysts, um, both here uh, in this slide, and we'll talk about it a little bit more on the unfunded uh, slide as well. But um, this was a really common um, request this year as we start to really um, incorporate the budget into our strategic plan um, using data uh, so that we can make Um, good data-driven decisions. So you're going to see that reoccurring theme um, over and over again in my remarks here this evening. Um, So starting with the sustainability analyst, uh, this position uh, will obviously help us um, in our environmental sustainability commitment area and really serve as um, a city-specific champion Um, for uh, environmental sustainability and really helping us move the needle on a number of the initiatives that we have in place whether that's through uh, policy change uh, collaboration with um, uh, departments internally with the with the public um, to really help us um, make um, some really um, important progress um, in this particular area The next is an equity and inclusion coordinator. Um, So this obviously is supporting the equity and inclusion commitment area uh, that we have within our strategic plan and will really help um, put into place um, some equity and inclusion action plans. And and again, work as a citywide liaison um, for uh, departments and and also with the community um, to really um, move us towards Um, some good policies and practices uh, related to equity and inclusion um, and and to provide some additional support to that function. Um, Moving forward uh, to the budget analyst position. Um, Again, this is um, supporting sound fiscal stewardship in that commitment area. Um, And this position will really help uh, with the development and implementation of the annual budget process, including not only the operating budget, but the capital budget with the capital improvement plan vehicle and equipment replacement plan along with the maintenance plan and again helping us um, really um, further tie uh, the budget and the strategic plan together uh, through uh, priority based budgeting. Um, Next is the economic development analyst. Um, This is, again, to kind of uh, to help support our prosperity and economic security outcome area um, and really help support that operation. So, again, um, similarly to sustainability and equity and inclusion, um, this is um, an area where we really have one uh, key staff person um, that is um, really moving us forward in those areas Um, And this would be some additional support um, to help with some of those administrative um, um, uh, needs that that function has and to really help us uh, move the needle on um, the strategies outlined in our strategic plan, uh, which is also supported by our economic development plan. Um, Moving down the list to the grant administrator, Um, this would be grant funded uh, using those um, American Rescue Plan Act dollars um, and will really help manage that grant um, throughout uh, that process. Uh, It will really be a a core component to um, that grant management uh, in terms of reporting and all of those sorts of things. Uh, But we also hope that this position can help provide some some consistency across our organization and some centralization uh, related to grant administration because that's currently very decentralized within the organization. So um, it will also help kind of support some of those policies and and getting those up and running and in place. Next, uh, we have the administrative technician. Uh, Again, this is anticipated to be fully grant funded um, and this would uh, help support Um, With customer service at the Bob Billings and Crestline multimodal transfer facility. Um, And so this would uh, use federal transportation grant dollars um, to really support um, and assist with um, public engagement and questions and and kind of that customer service side uh, related to that new facility. Uh, Next, we have a mobility planner. Again, this is anticipated to be state funded. Um, The goal of this position is really to help identify and close gaps um, in um, our transportation services and really um, serve as um, a coordinator between the uh, various um, transit providers that we have in our community um, to uh, help determine unmet community transportation needs and and coordinate um, some improvements related to that. This is a state um, uh, grant program, um, and as the program is currently um, outlined, the state would fund the first two years of that position at 100%, and then in year three, it would be a 90-10 split with a 10% local match. Um, uh, that would be that would be required. And this, um, I should mention, it would also um, help us in our connected cities outcome area. And then finally, um, as Craig alluded to in his comments a little bit earlier, there's one um, FTE identified here in the homeless initiatives coordinator. Um, again, uh, the goal here is to um, uh, have a state grant um, to help support that position um, and really really will assist with the coordination and implementation of various housing initiatives um, related to homeless outreach, emergency sheltering and rapid rehousing among um, some, some other um, important duties. And this really helps support us in the area of strong welcoming neighborhoods um, and safe and secure. A couple more um, personnel changes that are being um, recommended as part of this uh, city manager's recommended budget for 2022. Um, These are all reclassified um, vacant patrol officer positions. we have um, really been struggling uh, to keep up with our current levels of attrition uh, within that operation. So we've had a number of vacant positions um, for quite a while. And so um, this proposal here um, reallocates those resources um, to hopefully help accomplish some of um, the goals that we have identified um, and and do it in a way without adding additional dollars to the budget um, and using some of those underutilized resources um, that we've had um, for a number of years. Um, so, the first position um, identified here uh, to be reclassified um, is an accreditation analyst. Um, and I should note that um, these positions here um, are in um, alignment to the um, City Gate report that you all received an update on uh, a few meetings back um, and really help us. Um, utilize civilian staff where, where we're able to, to uh, meet some of the goals and objectives uh, we have as an organization. So the first one is that accreditation analyst. Uh, The next one is a victim witness coordinator um, to really help kind of serve in that capacity um, um, and and provide some of those support services. Um, Next is four FTEs um, shifting to a non-sworn unit um, to help with uh, specific uh, responses to specific types of calls. Um, And then finally, and we'll get into more details related to this, are um, moving to um, FTEs, to the Housing Initiatives um, Division. So moving in um, to that uh, division and getting into a little bit more detail um, related to this. um, So a couple kind of key, I should have used the word objectives instead of outcomes, uh, but a couple key objectives uh, related to this. Um, are really um, in the arena of homeless outreach, emergency sheltering, rapid rehousing, affordable housing, and homeowner and neighborhood um, assistance. Um, this is, as it's being proposed, um, budget neutral. So we did allocate, uh, reallocate some existing positions um, and refocused uh, what has uh, previously been used uh, for outside agency funding uh, to really help support this uh, specific initiative. So I'm gonna go through um, this in just a little bit more uh, detail. Um, so we wanted to uh, kind of highlight um, the different funds that will really help support um, this housing initiatives division. Um, and we'll get into an org chart in just a little, a little bit to kind of see how that would be structured within planning and development services. But on the general fund side, um, identified um, a number of positions that we've moved to this division. Um, as well as um, some additional kind of overhead costs for supplies and and that sort of thing um, to really help centralize that coordination of projects and programs related to housing initiatives um, within the city. Um, The other uh, kind of general fund um, expenditures that we have identified here are 1,139,000 to really help support um, those kind of key objectives um, we articulated and identified. Um, a couple key notes on this funding that I wanna make sure to highlight um, for you all this evening um, is that $20,000 of this funding um, has been identified um, to support um, neighborhoods. Um, so several months back, we talked about um, uh, some neighborhood uh, funding and support. And so that is being captured in that $1.13 um, dollar, million dollar figure. And the rest of that is uh, reallocating Um, like I mentioned previously, um, those dollars that had been used, those general fund and special alcohol dollars that had been used for our uh, grant um, outside agency process would shift those uh, to be more of an RFP uh, type process so that we can really be specific and intentional um, with the types of services um, that we're really hoping um, to uh, achieve and those results we're really hoping to achieve with those dollars. So um, a reallocation of that funding. Then we also wanted to recognize some of those other um, key areas that are are helping us in um, and providing housing initiatives uh, that we currently have in place, including our home fund, uh, CDBG funding uh, that we receive, um, as well as our housing trust fund dollars, Um, and again, that um, additional position uh, that we anticipate uh, receiving state uh, funding for is also identified here, and so we wanted to identify that. Um, as that kind of project coordinator position. So I wanted to include um, kind of a a proposed planning and development services organizational chart. I know it's a little bit small. Um, All of the the proposed, um, the new proposed housing initiatives division are highlighted in green here. Um, And so one of the things that is important to note about this proposal is that one of those um, homelessness project specialists is, um currently a position that is um within parks and rec um, and the recommendation would be to kind of embed them within planning and development services. Um, so that is being uh, that is being captured here. So that um, homelessness coordinator is that grant funded position and then uh, the reallocation of those um, PD positions grouping <coughs> up um, that other um, homelessness project specialist. Um, So moving forward um, to the capital uh, budgeting changes. We obviously were before you a month ago um, to talk about the capital improvement plan, the vehicle and equipment replacement plan, um, as well as our maintenance plan. And there's been a few uh, changes uh, to that with the materials that um, have been uh, prepared for this evening that we wanted to make sure that um, everyone was aware of. So As we continue to go through the budget process and and continue to update our numbers and recommendations and those sorts of things, um, these are some of those um, additional changes that we wanted to make sure you all were aware of. So um, I will go through this a little bit quicker, but uh, the New Hampshire parking garage stairway enclosure as well as um, the New Hampshire garage painting uh, maintenance programs um, were both removed um, from the, the capital budget. Uh, the parking fund isn't quite to a place where um, it can support these expenditures. We hope um, we'll have much more data um, with the new parking uh, system in place in um, about a year from now. And we're, the hope is that we can get this programmed um, into 2023. Those projects are still needed, but at this point, um, that fund just can't quite support um, those additional expenditures. Um, So it's something that we're going to continue to monitor and to uh, review for future budgets um, so that hopefully we can get that programmed. Um, And particularly once we have a lot better data related to the new um, parking structure and implementation that um, we have in the downtown, we're really excited about that. But it hasn't been um, up and running for too many months. So um, we are optimistic about that. But uh, for the time being, have uh, removed it because the revenues just don't quite support it. Um, these other projects um, from the downtown pole lighting replacement, including the street maintenance, curb and gutter rehab, uh, downtown parking lot maintenance, are two sidewalk improvement both on the, the public and the city side, along with the alley rehab and the traffic signal rehabilitation uh, projects are a slight reduction um, or a reduction in some capacity to those different maintenance programs. Um, It's not a full removal of any of those maintenance programs, uh, but reducing that funding slightly to to help um, uh, produce a a more sustainable and balanced budget. So uh, the downtown pole lighting is a 50% reduction. The others um, are are different proportions, but um, it is not a complete removal of those projects, but rather just uh, reducing the amount that we have identified in 2022. Um, Again, as as, um, we continue to monitor revenues and those sorts of things, um, to the extent we can reprogram this in 2023 and those out years, uh, we'll continue to to look for those opportunities. Um, And then the final uh, project here uh, that was removed was the Holcomb Sports Complex uh, infield uh, replacements. Um, So moving forward to the unfunded requests before we get into um, more of the kind of budget overview slides. Again, this is going to be um, a place where I spend a little bit of time just to provide a little bit of context uh, related to um, these different numbers uh, before you. So, as you can see, at, on as a on a collective whole scale, um, there were a number 87 of unfunded staffing requests, as well as um, which which correlates to about. Uh, $13.8 million. That's not just the staff um, costs, but some of those uh, ancillary uh, requests that go with that as well um, to provide you all kind of a a high-level overview of what that looks like. In the unmistakable identity, um, some of those unfunded uh, requests were related to um, special events, uh, asset management, uh, tree canopy and natural environment, um, some infrastructure and maintenance support, um, some Oak Hill Cemetery support, uh, as well as some management analyst. So that was nine unfunded staff requests for a total of about $1.3 million. Um, on the strong welcoming neighborhood side, there was seven and a half uh, positions, uh, which equated to about $3.7 million. Uh, this was kind of the initial uh, proposal um, for Um, the um, new division within Parks and or within Planning and Development Service, that Housing Initiatives Division, um, we weren't able to program that as new dollars. And so that's why you're seeing uh, that reallocation of existing dollars um, to get that up and running. Uh, On Safe and Secure, uh, there were 14 unfunded staff requests for about $1.1 million. Um, This this included um, some functions such as Um, some court security improvements, um, some public education uh, related to risk reduction for fire medical, as well as plans examiners, uh, permit inspector, um, and a civilian paramedic, along with some um, requested firefighter positions, uh, and some administrative support. Um, And on the uh, uh, PD side, the police department side, um, some unfunded um, civilian investigators, Um, And they had a number of requests that we were able to fund through reprioritization. Uh, The initial request was to have those uh, be additional positions, Uh, but we weren't able to quite get that program. On the uh, prosperity and economic security side, there were four unfunded staff requests uh, for a total of one almost $2 million. Um, So on the staffing side, uh, there was an airport manager and a farmland remediation team Um, A majority of that unfunded request amount is really related to some additional contractual services um, to help us um, with some of those strategies under the prosperity and economic security outcome area um, with some of those kind of key partner agencies um, uh, for some of that work. So um, a higher uh, unfunded uh, dollar amount uh, related to the number of staffing requests. Um, Moving over uh, to the Connected uh, City Outcome Area, there were 21 total uh, staff requests for about $2.2 million. Uh, This included a number of additional kind of staffing crews related to in-house pavement uh, maintenance, um, a treatment crew, a water distribution crew, along with um, some specific positions related to um, a transportation manager, right-of-way support. Um some more analysts related to um, asset management um, in our AMI program. And then finally, we have um, the commitments. So uh, as we noted earlier in the presentation, we uh, have recommended, as part of the city manager's recommended budget, a number of um, additional positions for the commitments, but there were still 31 and a half unfunded um, staff requests, which uh, equated to about $3.5 million. Um, So, this uh, ranged from um, a more robust equity and inclusion office, sustainability office, and budget office, as well as um, increased uh, human uh, resources uh, management uh, support for communication, professional development, um, risk management, strategic planning, um, and some of those key areas, as well as um, on the um, um, IT side or the uh, efficient and effective team side, um, some staff uh, to build up an operational excellence team um, for process improvement, uh, a PMO manager, a fiber manager, uh, and then on our facilities side, um, a carpenter. So I wanted to provide a little bit more context to this slide uh, related to kind of what went behind um, these numbers. With that, um, we are uh, transitioning into uh, kind of the portion of this uh, presentation that um, uh, really helps uh, take our first step uh, towards budgeting by outcome area. Um, So as with most budget people, I want to caveat this with our chart of accounts uh, isn't quite structured like this. And so uh, there's a lot of manual work that has to be done in order to produce this Um, So there are a couple areas that I have noticed some inconsistencies, so I'll try to um, note those for you throughout the presentation. But this is really our our first attempt to take our strategic plan um, and really tie it to our budget and what we're hoping to achieve. Um, So this will continue to be refined and improved as we go forward. um, But we're really excited to kind of take this first step uh, with you all this year Um, as we kind of look to use this as our our guiding framework moving forward. Um, The other caveat I will note um, is that as we present uh, the budget to you like this, um, there are a couple things um, from kind of an accounting perspective that we have pulled out so that we're not double counting things. Um, One of those are our internal service um, or our commitments. Um, We have only showed the costs for those once. The other thing that we have removed is um, our debt service payments um, um, or our debt service fund, I should say, um, as well as the transfers. So we use a lot of transfers to move dollars from one fund to another for a specific project. Um, So uh, this removes those transfers. So we're just seeing the funding for that specific project under the appropriate outcome area. Um, So If people are really interested in this, and I hope there are a few of them out there, uh, we do have an open uh, transparency portal that really allows you to take a look at the budget at that line item level, look at it by fund. Um, This is really meant to provide that high level overview to really um, show um, that um, our budget through kind of the, the strategic plan lens. The other thing I wanna note before we get into each of these outcome areas is that Connected Cities or Connected City is 55%, Um, the key driver um, of this is that that is where we see a majority of our capital improvement plan, um, our our vehicle and equipment replacement plan, as well as our maintenance plan. So there are a lot of capital expenditures that are showing up in Connected City, um, which is really one of the key drivers for why uh, that percentage is so much higher than those other outcome areas. So, shifting over um, to the unmistakable identity outcome, um, you can see here uh, 35% um, are personnel personnel costs, and then uh, 40% are contractual services. So, those are the two really big drivers. Um, This is really capturing, if I'm translating it back to um, kind of um, previous years, uh, capturing um, our... Uh, parks and recreation um, department, as well as our library um, and our guest tax fund. So um, really kind of some of the highlights here, uh, maintaining those current levels of service. Um, And one of the the strategies um, and progress indicators we have is related to scholarships. Um, So we have dollars programmed for that that are being captured here as well. Moving over to strong welcoming neighborhoods. Um, Again, this is another um, uh, outcome area that is heavily driven by personnel and contractual services. Um, This is capturing uh, our planning and development services um, department, as well as public health. Um, And like the slide, uh, a couple of slides previously, this is where we're capturing the housing trust fund, CDBG home, um, um, and as well as uh, solid waste. There is um, one of those things that I said probably needs to be um, updated is it's also showing our transportation planning fund, uh, which is in uh, planning and development services. I think the more appropriate home for this is actually um, in Connected City. So I wanted to acknowledge that and call that out um, and we'll get that cleaned up. Um, But this is really uh, planning and development services and and solid waste. So we've talked uh, tonight about that housing initiatives division. Um, highlighting again that $20,000 for neighborhood funding. Um, And we're really excited about the implementation of our new community development software, uh, which will be a component of the new um, ERP system uh, that uh, we have um, in the works. And and you'll be um, hearing more about in the the relatively near future, uh, but we're really excited about that. Moving over uh, to safe and secure, Uh, this is very heavily 68% driven by personnel. Um, Some of those kind of key initiatives, obviously we talked about uh, reallocating some uh, positions to really meet the needs of the organization um, and really a a good and and, um, productive push towards that accreditation. So um, with the addition of uh, uh, that analyst position in PD and um, obviously our fire medical department um, is accredited as well. Um, so, uh, this is, um, those are some of the, the key initiatives. So, this is capturing municipal court, uh, police, and, and fire medical. Moving over uh, to prosperity and economic security. Uh, this one looks a little bit different than some of the other outcome areas, very heavily uh, focused in contractual services, that's about 90% um, of this outcome area currently. So. This is capturing our economic development division within the general fund, as well as um, any of those uh, TIF, TDD, and NRA funds, uh, along with our farmland fund. Um, So um, some of the key highlights here, are some of that additional um, staffing, and this is where we have the funding for some of those partner agencies, like Peasley, the Chamber, um, and BTBC, um, to help us move towards um, the strategies outlined in the strategic plan related to prosperity and economic security. Um, and those various progress indicators. Um, And then finally moving um, over to connected uh, city. Uh, So again, uh, about 50% of this is capital outlay, uh, which is really being reflected in um, the the capital improvement plan, the vehicle and equipment replacement plan and the maintenance plan. Um, So this is capturing um, within the general fund our municipal services and operation Um, the airport, uh, our public transportation fund, as well as some of those enterprise funds, so the water and wastewater fund, public parking, uh, stormwater, and then those various capital funds that we have for the water and wastewater um, functions. So really a really significant investment in infrastructure. Uh, Really excited about the Lawrence Transit Route redesign um, and and their uh, new green buses, Um, as well as making headway and progress towards um, our asset management and that lowest cost of ownership. Um, So shifting over um, to the last couple slides here, um, we've mentioned this, I think, at at every single um, presentation that we have had uh, before you all related to uh, the budget. But uh, Senate Bill 13 is how we've been referring to it. But uh, it's the truth in taxation bill. Um, And I think the really um, critical part of uh, this we'll get to in the budget calendar slide, um, but it is um, ensuring that we hold a revenue neutral rate between August 20th and September 20th, and it changes when we have to have the budget certified to uh, be October 1st. Previously, it was um, August 25th. So the really critical uh, kind of budget calendar uh, next step is Uh, the July 20th meeting. Uh, So that's when we have to notify the county of our intent to exceed the revenue neutral rate. Um, And this is the important component of this is that it um, includes a maximum mill levy rate. Um, So you all will be asked to take action on the 20th um, to establish that maximum mill levy rate. Um, So uh, the mill levy will not be able to be increased after that point, Um, it it will provide that firm cap. Um, on what that that mill levy rate can be. Um, So that's really kind of that uh, critical next action item related to the budget. Um, And then after that, on August 31st, that's when we uh, really um, will have the, we'll get into and and hopefully really hear from the public uh, related to the budget proposal. Um, And that's when we'll have the revenue neutral rate hearing as well as the budget hearing. Um, And then Uh, the final step uh, once we hear all of that feedback uh, and receive any additional direction from you all um, is to bring back a uh, budget resolution for you all to ultimately adopt um, as as part of uh, this process. So with that, um, a couple key policy questions for you all to consider tonight. Um, The first is related to the mill levy. So uh, the, the city manager's recommended budget recommends a flat mill levy. Um, so verification that you all want to keep uh, that flat um, so that we can notify the clerk um, at the next at your next meeting um, and comply with that truth and taxation bill. And then the second question um, is a little bit more broad, but are there changes to the budget you would like to see reflected before the public hearing? Um, and this is really meant to capture everything, the operating budget, the capital improvement plan, the vehicle and equipment replacement plan, uh, as well as the maintenance plan. Um, So those are the key policy questions. We did include a slide here for some additional information just so um, folks have um, access to that as part of the agenda packet uh, materials um, uh, so that that's available um, for folks as well. Um, So with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. We have a number of staff um, virtually present with us this evening um, that would also be happy to answer any questions. Uh, But with that, that concludes our formal presentation, and I'll turn it back over
0: to you all. Do we want to take a maybe 10-minute break before we get into questions and then public comment? I think that might make sense. So let's take a 10-minute break. We'll return at 742, it looks like, and then we'll take questions, and then we'll open it to public comment.
1: Curry, you got it? All set.
0: Oops. Okay. Welcome back from our break. Um, we are now going to move into commissioner questions, um, followed by public comment, and then bring it back for discussion. So which commissioner would like to start with questions?
6: <laughs> I'll start off. Okay. okay, Mayor. So my first question is on the slides under the personnel changes summary. Did we get back to that one. Thank you. So, my question is: It um, looks like the four, the top three positions are from are being funded through the administrative services fund. Where does that money come from? Uh,
16: this is this is Danielle. So that money is um, coming from all of the other um, um, operational funds. So uh, this is um, those uh internal service charges that you see housed within the general fund um our um, enterprise funds and those um uh, main um um, special revenue funds such as uh, the public transportation fund the guest tax fund and those sorts of things um so it's hitting all of those major operating budgets uh, within the city
6: so it's the internal services fee is that correct okay that's what that's what i thought then the last four positions are are some aspect of fund, grant funding from the state or the feds. Um, I know one of them you said the, that it's being funded 100% for the first two years, then 90% the third year. So what about the uh, what about the fourth year and going forward, as well as these other ones, if the if the grant funding falls off, what happens then?
15: So I'll, I'll, this is Craig, Owens. I'll take that question. Um, we would obviously we're going to be uh, monitoring that they may extend the grants, but if they don't, then those would be things where we'd want to um, uh, either come up with the revenue to extend those programs, or um, it may be that they the purpose has been served. Uh, whatever we do when we fund those positions, um, we'd be very open with whoever we might bring on as to whether, you know, ha- what the status or stability of that position would be in the long term. This as actually happens pretty frequently, and many times these are continuing positions. Um, these particular ones, um, I, you know, I, I would expect that these would be ongoing uh, needs that we would have.
6: Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So my next question is on page six, which is the personnel changes summary. Or no, on mine it's page six. I don't know what it is on yours. Yeah, those. Can you give me an idea on the four FTEs for non-sworn response unit? You had indicated that they would be responding to specific issues. Could you expound on that and let me know what, what those specific types of issues are?
16: this is Danielle I will hand that question off to um, somebody in our uh, police department that may be able to speak a little bit more eloquently to that than I would be able to
17: yeah this is uh, interim police chief Adam Hefley are you hearing me okay yeah okay uh the the non-sworn response unit is is uh encompasses a couple different things but typically those uh calls that, that those Personnel would be tasked with responding. Would would include things that, uh, where there's a report that needs to be taken, um, but it doesn't require a sworn officer, or somebody with a badge and a gun, to complete that task. Um, just to throw out some, <clears throat> pardon me, to throw out some examples. I would uh, I would use a uh, an auto burglary that occurred previous day, something to that effect. Uh, the goal of the exercise is, as we are uh, attempting to uh, fill vacant positions and uh, and fighting just kind of the uh, the loss of uh, qualified candidates putting in and stuff, is to make sure that we're able to meet service levels and finding different ways to to achieve those service levels. So there's a, there's kind of a laundry list of different calls that that could be um, applied to that group, but uh for for an overarching concept we try to think of a, a police call for service in which somebody needs a report taken for uh for follow-up later perhaps or for an insurance purposes or something along that line that doesn't actually require a uniformed sworn officer to um, handle that deal i hope that explains it and if if you have a follow-up
6: thank you ahead. thank you
0: can i go ahead and follow up on that is that, um, Chief Hafley, Is that? Do you see something that that emergency um, communications would would make that decision? Would these be things that were not emergencies, and therefore that would be an internal um, among the you know among your office that's making or sending these units out?
17: Yes, typically, what we will do is we'll outline a series of calls that uh, at least appear on their face to be appropriate for a person um, in that position to to respond to. Um, we, w- we would not put that off on a on a dispatch function through emergency communications. That needs to be a, a supervisor in the patrol division. Um, we give the, we will give those uh, personnel uh, pretty explicit instructions that if a situation starts to devolve or um or they need a a uniformed officer to respond to be able to just reach out and have one respond um but this is able to continue a level of service in a uh in in a state where we're just not able to keep up with attrition and retirements and and whatnot
0: thank you
3: Commissioner larson can i piggyback on that as well okay thank you i just since we're on the subject um i wanted to ask if there was a possibility chief if um those, office, those um, non-sworn personnel would also be able to be part of that county initiative on the um, kind of alternative responses for folks on mental health crises crises, and other issues?
17: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a whole other conversation when we start getting into adding other agencies and other programs like that. But what we're trying to accomplish right now is with a, uh, you know, a shortage of patrol officers to assign to the patrol division, uh, we need to find a way to take some of that call load down um, to to allow the officers that are on the street that are sworn to respond to those those calls themselves. Uh, one other potential for this this program would be if we do identify somebody in the in between us uh, running an an academy for new recruit officers that we could onboard somebody quickly, start training them to do. Um, other functions until that a police academy would start that way uh, we aren't losing quality candidates because of the timing issue or something that uh, of, of that nature um, so I guess to directly answer your question um, that would be a whole lot more uh, conversation that would need to be had if we're talking about joining with the county uh, program to apply these people to but that was not the original intended purpose of this
3: thank you thanks Commissioner Larson
6: thank you um, so just a one more follow-up on that so what I'm seeing is that you've got eight positions here are six of them staying in the department and two are being transferred out is that what I'm reading
17: yes that, that is correct
6: okay the answer is that and I got just two more short ones on the slides um, um, under unfunded requests So what I'm seeing, uh, based on the number of positions that have been asked for that um, are unfunded, the amount of unfunded requests, does that include just the salaries or something else? Because if it just includes the salaries, those are pretty high numbers.
16: Uh, this is Danielle Bushcutter, uh, Budget and Strategic Initiatives Administrator. It includes more than just uh, the salaries. Okay. Um, so one of those uh, kind of key drivers, for example, in prosperity and economic security are some of those contractual services with some of those other um, agencies that may help us um, um, make some progress in some of those strategies identified in that uh, particular area. So it is kind of that full package of the request. The FTEs plus those those supplemental requests for uh, contractual services and, and things like that. So it does go beyond just the the personnel request.
6: Thank you. Because I was about ready to apply for some of them. Because some of them are million million <laughs> each. So I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. And my last one on the slides is under the the... The outcome, unmistakable identity. So, my question on that is: is the last um, little bullet point down there where it says funding for scholarships and partner agencies? I know you talked about some some of the ones that that includes. Um, I think you also said something about Parks and recs programs that have have um, scholarships. Is that is that my understanding?
16: Uh, yes so this includes uh, the we folks uh, scholarship fund that we have um, internally it also includes thirty thousand dollars for the Arts Center uh, that we have uh, been helping to support some scholarship uh, funding for them as well over the last several years so it's it's capturing both sides of that
6: okay that was that was exactly what I thought so thank you very much those are the just on the slides those are the questions I have
0: Other questions by Commissioners? Go ahead, Vice Mayor.
4: Um, The, um, the, these aren't in any particular order, so I apologize, but uh, the money set aside for neighborhoods, um, uh, I think you said was coming out of the Housing Initiatives Division, Can someone remind me if that um, is the same amount that we set aside for neighborhoods last year um, outside of the CDBG um, process? Um, And and I'm, I'm kind of curious how staff imagines these funds will be distributed. We don't have a program particularly for that right now.
16: This is uh, Danielle Bushcutter. Um, I am going to ask um, somebody from PDS to kind of help me out um, with this. My recollection is yes, and it's in development, but um, I would appreciate some um, either verification of that or some additional details.
18: Good evening, commissioners. Amy Miller, assistant planning and development services director. The amount is the $20,000 that funds the. Four neighborhoods that are currently receiving funds. And this was their pre-funding before there were cuts made and then it was um, increased. Um, We anticipate that bringing forth to you in your 2023 budget, um, a more comprehensive program that would be um, competitive in developing that program.
4: Uh, thank you Um, uh, uh, another item that was on um, the list of um, uh, unfunded items sorry let me find the right um, slide here apologize
3: is it up there Courtney
4: is it up there? No. It was a l- specific list, and it had alleys on it. Oh, the capital budget changes. There you go. Um, the alleyway rehabilitation. Um, I, I I, mean, I'll have sort of a general question about some of the unfunded items, but um, one concern I had had in speaking with... MSO at some point is particularly downtown where the trash trucks are in the alleyways, and it's very close, and there's many layers of sundry uh, um, concrete and asphalt that can be kind of dangerous, present some dangerous situations for um, our employees. So I just wanted to maybe be sure um, we we were being wise in this particular item or that um, um MSO f- perhaps weigh in and and um, let me rest assured that um, we're not ignoring a safety issue
19: um David Wagner um, director of MSO um, Mike got on too. he may have uh, something else to add with that I think we're we're obviously aware that there are the alleys are in poor condition, not only downtown across the city. And um, I believe this was a the, the first idea that we would put um, additional monies over in on that. And um, just truly because of shortfalls in some of the other areas, we, we made some tough choices. And, and um, as an alternative to some of the other things that we saw, we thought this would be something that we could continue to defer, I guess is one way to look at that. but um you're absolutely right um commissioner shipley it is a concern it's a safety concern that we need to address um, um at some point in time so it was it was just a choice um, mike i don't know if you have anything else
20: to add to that or Mike Lawless Deputy Director for MSO um, yeah I mean all, all cuts that we make are tough um, certainly this this um, is a, a large reduction in the alley but it doesn't completely eliminate the funding for that um, for this year I believe there's in the neighborhood of about a million dollars for alley rehab and so with that we're going to tackle some of the well the highest priority ones that are out there um, by no means will the million dollars or even the seven hundred and eighty thousand that we're looking at for 22 solve all the deferred maintenance that we have out there. Um, it, it took us a long time to get to the condition that we're in, and, and it's going to take us some time to work out. Um, but we have the program started, and you know we kind of got that a little bit of momentum behind us. And you know if if we manage this as a one-year reduction. Um, then, I, you know, going forward, we certainly want to continue to push for additional funding for for alley rehabilitation.
4: Thank you. Um, uh, so kind of in that and this might be a better one for you, Craig, um, uh, with these items that are on this list and these other unfunded requests, I just want to make sure I understand that. Uh, Staff was asked to make these cuts based on their own judgment of their own departments. Is that correct?
15: Uh, th- more or less. I mean, th- this is uh, this was kind of towards the end of the process where we really did have, uh, in, in meeting the need to stay at the at the uh, you know level property tax rate and understanding where we were with some of the other uh, priorities, we we had to make a certain kind of financial mark to hit that point and so we went back out to departments and we asked them to match more or less match where they were previous year Um, and we didn't necessarily prescribe how they'd get it get to that number other than um, you know try to try to align with priorities of the strategic plan which is you know our first and last thing we always try and do um, but this is where you really start to just say, well, there's so much compromise, you know, let's – what's the best way to go at this point? So I, I, I would characterize these reductions as that. There, was, there were many other places they could have gone, but this is, this is generally – most of these were capital and maintenance items uh, that we came up with, which are deferrals. The capital is always a deferral. It's not an elimination um, unless you dispose of the asset so that was where the compromise was uh, versus you know cutting into pay into um, personnel which is you know was more ongoing and more sustainable usually but it's more difficult if you're not going to sustain it and you're not and you're not going to identify a, a service reduction that's that can be sustained long answer but
4: <laughs> um, and then you know the this is a, some of the capital budget changes, and the, but the unfunded request, is there somewhere a list of all those things that I can look at? Because I gather it's not just things cut from the CIP and salary. It might be things that staff suggested, um, like in a, a wish list that would never have risen to the level where I might see it, but may or may not in the future be a really good idea.
15: Yeah, if this uh, and and it just gives me a chance really quickly to expand on this I think Daniel did a good job of presenting it but I I really want to say the reason we decided to include this typically I would not include this list because this is, you know, we we endeavor to present this budget as a team, Uh, there are a lot of work that's gone into this a lot of compromises. And not every team member knows every part of every budget, every part of this budget. But uh, we do try and talk about the top priorities, and we do try and understand that you know it's a you know we're we're in it together, and these are all interconnected. So when you see these unfunded requests, the reason we wanted to show those is because this was really you know there was quite a bit of an excitement in when we first approached the budget. Uh, Because of the strategic plan we've worked so hard over the last 18 months to build the strategic plan and really you know We're the community's telling us this is what we need. This is where we want to go And that's you know, that's not a language that's been spoken here in a long time and so that was uh, these unfunded requests um, are um, out of enthusiasm to try to go to a new level, to try and respond to the, what the community is articulating and its strategic planning needs. And um, so I'm, I'm very excited about that too, because we kind of did take some lids off and said, what innovations, what new programs, what kinds of things would you like to do? Um, And so that's why you see such a list. I don't think anything like this has been generated and is certainly in this community for a long time and in this building for a long time. So that's what this list is. Um, I I, I don't think, I think everybody's realistic that this is the kind of deeper investment that we're probably not gonna get to for a while, but, our hope is is that we, as we do the work of realignment and we do the work um, that we're going to have to do to you know to get these this budget kind of sustainable, um, we might reposition some and, and align our resources to these top priorities. So there might be some real innovations in this list of eighty seven positions that we'd rather do than some of the legacy that we're in in it for and that we've been funding for decades, maybe because we're choosing a top priority. Um, and we're going to let go of some of that legacy, you know, that, that's going to take two or three or four years of real tough com- conversation. But I think starting with this, um, with this unfunded request and getting the innovation and the enthusiasm to meet the needs of the community, uh, is a good place for us to be at this stage.
4: Um, uh, quick question about the two FTEs for the housing initiatives division, um, you said they were kind of being transferred out. What will their relationship be with the new um, um, planning office, or or how how will they get their direction? What will I mean? Without obviously knowing that you have an entire plan, I'm just trying to reimagine um, moving those. Um, um, the coordination that would be between what seems like two different departments.
15: This is, this is a, these are unfilled positions right now. So these would be new hires or they'd be, um, you know, transfers um, from another department of somebody that wanted to go do this work or that had the expertise to do this work related to housing and, and homeless support, and uh, addressing those things. So these would not be, you know, transfers of incumbents uh, to do that. We we reflected them as transfers to say that this is how we're repositioning between within the general fund, but uh, these wouldn't be actual physical transfers.
4: Um, This just one more question for you, Craig, because I I I feel like it's important. um, My experience and in investiture sort of requires me to believe that all of our staff is the most qualified and in in our attempt to um, raise the market rate, um, is, is it your studied experience that we are losing talent to nearby um, markets, Kansas City, Topeka, wherever?
15: It is. Um You know, and I would say this is going around. uh, This is every organization around the country right now, um, public or otherwise, uh, there's an unusual circumstance. But what we in 2018, we brought McGrath and associates in to look at this and they were finding that we were um, in that situation. And in the intervening years, we um, we have seen the loss of some talent in key positions, but there are other factors as well. There's uh, a lot of the compression issues. Some of this money is going to address compression issues where we can't get people to apply for promotion because they're just too close to the that supervisory level, uh, being asked to do a lot more, take on more responsibility. Uh, and so it, while we're not losing them necessarily, we're losing the opportunity to, uh, to get some people ascending into some leadership positions that we need filled. Uh, externally, yes, we have, we're experiencing very high turnover rate right now. And I would say that that's both because of what's happening, uh, in the economic conditions that everybody's uh, doing, but I think it's also because we're not properly positioned within the market for some key positions that are very, uh, very high, they're, they're sought after. And one of the other things that we understood about our 2018 plan was that, um, these are some of the lower paid employees that we're not seeing those, those increases. And as you know, you know, some of the bargaining units um, that we've uh, worked with, collective bargaining units, we, that was where some of our money was going. And those are kind of in the middle uh, middle pay ranges. Uh, but uh, some of the other parts of our, um, our lower paid employees at the beginning levels of their careers, uh, they were not getting addressed. So that's, that's especially uh, exacerbated right now. When you know we've heard all about the lifeguard uh, situation and some of the lower-paid employees, nobody's uh, able to get those positions filled. So we were not positioned well in that. So this will address that um, at a critical time. But yeah, our turnover rate. Um, I I said something to our human resources director in a in a meeting, and I said, you know, I think don't we have something like 30 or. Or so uh, positions, and she looked at me with wide eyes and said, "Is try more than double that, which is is exceptional for us."
4: Um, one, one, the last thing I think probably for Danielle, and I will confess a frustration with the um, the online portal. Um, I'm not amazing at operating it, but. Um, it seems like there I saw in a few places that I couldn't re-identify um some things that were not not miscellaneous exactly but not identified or not um uh, connected to any of our um strategic um factors It it was a very vague uh term so I didn't know if she could help me know what kind of things might have been falling into that category
16: uh, this is uh, Danielle Bushcutter. I can uh, try to uh, take a go at it. And then if there are any kind of additional specific questions, I'd be happy to to uh, dig into those. Um, we do um, have a classification on the revenue side that are kind of miscellaneous revenues. Um, so those typically capture some of those kind of one-time revenues that we don't necessarily anticipate receiving every year. So um, it can capture some things like sale of assets. Um, I think we have some, um, some additional kind of one-time revenues that we we classify as miscellaneous. Um, We also have kind of that category on uh, the expense side as well, that um, in different funds uh, kind of represent some different things. Uh, So it depends a little bit on kind of what fund we're talking about, but usually there's an opportunity to um, expand uh, within um, our our open public uh, access um, um, site um, so I'm happy to kind of go through a training at, with that at some point um, or pro- provide some kind of step-by-step details we can put on our website um, to really figure out what exactly the, each of those line items is, even though at a higher level, we classify them as miscellaneous. Um, taking one step up, um, one of the things that we didn't include in, let me get to the slide. This particular slide was some of those kind of duplication Um, costs so like I mentioned the transfers for example we didn't want to capture the transfer and then the expense that the transfer was helping to support so this happened quite a bit with our our, um, capital improvement plan so we may um, have some sort of um, uh, project that is being supported by the general fund so we transfer dollars out of the general fund so that it can show up in our capital projects fund we didn't want to capture that expense twice so that's why some of these numbers don't tie out exactly uh, because we pulled that out of this particular chart as well as um our debt service fund for example so those are some of the some of the things that we we pulled out of this just so we don't capture things twice um, that show up in that open gov report twice um, kind of by default so we wanted to provide a little bit more of an accurate picture here um, but it i think regardless of which way we go um, there's a little bit of confusion that kind of um, comes comes with that so i don't know if that answered your question um, but um, hopefully that at least provides a little bit of context.
21: thank you
4: You done? I'm done, thanks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go
12: ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay, could we go to the uh prosperity and economic security slide, please? <clears throat> um I believe I heard that this uh includes the operation expenditures for farmland, is that correct? Yes, that is
16: correct.
12: And so that amount is uh, roughly a million two hundred thousand dollars. Yes. Okay. Um, there's another aspect of the uh, recommended budget with regard to farmland. It's uh, five million two hundred fifty thousand dollars in capital funding.
16: Yes, that is correct.
12: And that doesn't appear on this slide. Where is it in our? Um, in our, is it in our slides and, and if so where is it
16: yes that's a good question and I think um, it's a really good example of um, that this is not perfect so it is showing up in connected cities um, because of um, our current account structure uh, we weren't able to with that structure pull that out of connected cities unless we did it manually to put it here um, so that is where the capital expenditure is showing up
12: I guess my concern with that is that um, we're seeing this in two different places and and that's inconsistent treatment unless there's a reason to treat them inconsistently. I think it tends to to undercount what we're actually spending uh, for prosperity and economic security. Um, Are there other expenditures beside the the, uh, um, operations from the farmland fund and from the uh, the five million two hundred fifty thousand dollars in farmland capital expenditures. are there other is there other money in this recommended budget that will be going to uh, to the farmland uh, remediation and property? Um, this is
16: uh, Danielle. The short answer to that question is no um i think the longer answer to that question is um there are a number number of hours of um additional staff support for staff that are not funded out of the the farmland fund that helps support that operation and that function um so that is not captured anywhere that's been a consistent issue we've we've been dealing with um but the 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 operations um of the farmland fund are housed within the farmland fund And that debt, um, uh, future general obligation debt for the capital side um, um, is identified in the budget. So those are the the two main cost centers um, for farmland uh, in the budget.
12: Is anyone tracking the staff's time that you referred to earlier so that we have some idea what the magnitude is of that expense?
16: I would pass that question off to uh, some of our MSO folks. I don't know um, if they can provide some additional clarity and context related to that. Um, it's not something I have offhand.
22: Uh, good, good evening, it's
23: Trevor Flynn, Assistant Director with Municipal Services and Operation. Uh, we, there's a couple of components there. Our, our water quality lab staff that does the routine uh, data collection and the monitoring, that's kind of scheduled. We we definitely have that staff time accounted for, where we get a little. Uh, where we lack some of that detail is with some of our field staff that do a lot of support work out there. They're out there checking some of the pumps. Uh, there's a lot of folks in and out of the bag warehouse uh, doing some maintenance items. Whenever we have a uh, we had a break-in out there, so we had facilities out there. So so we're losing some context uh, with some of our support staff. But when we're when we're focusing on some of that uh, remedial action support for part of our obligations, there's a lot of uh, staff involved in that 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 are associated with that that aren't. Funded necessarily through uh, the Farmland Fund, so it's so it's a a little bit of yes and no uh, to, to your answer there.
12: I guess um, I follow that they're not being funded through the Farmland Fund, but somebody's having to pay for it. And um, you know, the, according to this recommended budget, as I understand it, the um, money in the Farmland Fund is going to be gone essentially at the end of next year even though we haven't been charging all the expenditures to that fund, um, I believe that we, uh, the estimate is that we have $40 million more of uh, remediation that we're gonna have to pay for, and I'm beginning to think that that may be an undercount. You know, I really believe we need to get some assistance from the federal government, the EPA, the state, on this, and I'd really like to have us have um, good numbers when we try to do that. Um, I have a couple questions on the CIP. These are specific projects. Um, it's my understanding that the 27th Street Bridge replacement is not funded. Is that correct?
16: That is correct.
12: Okay. Um, and I also believe that there are two projects. For the outdoor ful- pool that have been, uh, funding has been recommended for. Is that correct?
16: I'm trying to pull up the exact list, but I think you are correct in that.
12: Um, from reading the project detail worksheet, it sounded to me as if those projects were mutually exclusive. Um, and if you did the, the, um, the rebuild of the pool, you wouldn't need to do the improvement that was um, a smaller project. Why are we funding, why are we recommending funding both of these?
16: So I'll kind of talk at a high level about kind of the process we went through and then um, I invite um, somebody from Parks and Rec to kind of talk about those uh, projects specifically um the way uh we went through kind of the prioritization process is uh to utilize the cap guidelines um that uh were adopted a couple years ago have the departments go through a department score and then uh, we put together peer review teams uh to provide some peer review and that really uh drove the the funding recommendations um i think you are are right in your assessment that um if if that uh larger um um renovation project Uh, took place uh, we wouldn't have to do the pool slide um but i my understanding is and and i hope somebody from parks and rec uh, pops on and corrects me if i'm wrong is that um some of the the smaller project would have to be done if we didn't move forward with that um larger uh renovation project because eventually we'll get to a point where there are some safety concerns but mark i don't know if you have some additional kind of context you might you might add to that
24: Yeah, Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Recreation. Commissioner Bowley, you're correct. The smaller project is a $350,000 amenity project. So basically it it improves the amenities around the pool. The $4 million project is a more complete renovation of the pool body itself. So I would agree with you if we do the 4 million, we may not need to do the 350,000.
12: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, I guess my question for staff is, you know, when when would that come out? The three hundred fifty thousand dollar project. Mark Ecker system
24: director. The the way it's currently slated is the smaller projects in two thousand twenty three, and then the larger projects in two thousand twenty five. So I'm hoping by the time we have a year or two more under a belt we'll have a better idea of how long that actual pool body is gonna last. We're starting to see some pretty significant structural issues down there. So, um, you know, it's kind of trying to look into the, the magic ball and figure out when this might fail. So right now, you know, we're a couple of years out, we think uh, it could be where the $4 million project needs to come up and replace that $350,000 project. But right now we're projecting it out a few years.
6: Okay. Thanks. I would like to follow up on a couple of your items that you brought up. The farmland one, can somebody speak to what we are doing to try to potentially capture federal or state dollars to help pay for that?
15: I'll start off. Um, uh, we, ha- we, have, um, we have asked for... Um, proposals from um, some agencies that will help us secure uh, federal grants Um, and um, that was something we initiated a few months ago in understanding there was going to be very competitive and there was a lot of money that was going to come out of D.C. Um, and so we're excited that we will have those resources available to us for specific things Uh, and then you know obviously the you know roughly one trillion dollar infrastructure package um, does um, target, I think, some environmental aspects too. And we're hoping that they, the work that's happening over the next couple of weeks will give us some definitions so that we understand what the infrastructure, uh, what, what infrastructure needs will come out of there. Um, so farmland is a favorite on my list for some of that understanding the, where the, you know, the, the side effects of the pollution that, we're, that Lawrence is dealing with um, you know, literally fed the world. Um, with the fertilizer generation that w- went out around the, the country and the world, uh, and the crop um, the crops that were grown through that, so uh, I do think we have a good case to make, especially since um, the the fund that we associated with this project, no, nowhere near covers uh, what the expenses are going to be. Um, so it is a favorite of mine to make uh, grant applications when we get better definition from the feds on where those come from. But truly any um, infrastructure dollars that help us on our very substantial um, uh, capital improvement plan over the next five years uh, will go to bottom line. So I'm, I'm, I think we will be um, um, very aggressive in how we pursue grants that are a good match for the programs as they're aligned.
6: Okay, thank you. So, the grant person that you're proposing to hire would—that would be part of their job to to hunt these
15: out, right? This would be a scope of services as a consulting uh, arrangement. In addition, you know, obviously, we have some, we've had some success with federal grants, uh, with internal staff, but this is really somebody to help, help us, guide help guide us that that does this every day, all day, and has connections in Washington D.C. and with um, our federal officials.
22: Thanks.
11: Thanks. I this is Diane I- Stoddard, assistant City Manager. I, I just wanted to add, in addition to the, the um, the ideas that Mr. Owen shared, I will say that staff has reached out to the Environmental Protection Agency requesting a meeting, and we've been working to um, set that up with them and answer some of their preliminary questions um, in hopes that we can identify some possible funding through that channel.
6: Thank you, Diane, appreciate that. So I wanted to piggyback on what Commissioner Bowley said about making sure we cost items to the job, how important that is, because we can't really Truly understand and capture the actual cost of a project if we're not tracking it on a per project basis. So, I would hope that we would uh, make better efforts to ensure that those costs are actually being allocated appropriately to the job. I would appreciate it. So, I want to turn just a minute to that bridge project. Um, The um, bridge project, the 27th Street Bridge project. The description of it said that it was end of its, it was near the end of its life cycle for that bridge and would need to be um, addressed um, in the near future. I thought it was interesting that when I looked at the score for that, it was 33. But then you look at the score for the events center out at the Free State Pool, that scored a 38, so I was really wondering how that disparity could could be, or how that could show up that way. And I looked at the actual um, line item matrix for it, and one thing that kind of struck out for me is that the event center scored on a quality of life three, but the bridge only scored on a quality of life of one. So I'm not for sure if that's if you can compare them, or it just seems odd that you know. The potential for a bridge to fail only has a quality of life impact of one. So I was wondering if somebody could speak to that a little bit.
16: I think kind of um, start and, and uh, hopefully some um, municipal services and operations staff that have kind of been um, looking at this will will jump in as well um so i think um some of um the things that that stuck out uh as we were kind of reviewing this um as well um is um the um, health and safety criteria along with uh, the infrastructure criteria um, and some of the long-term planning as well so i think that long-term planning is one of those areas that um, the um, event center uh, scored higher in um, because it had some of that public engagement um, and, and kind of public uh, scoping and vetting process that, that has already taken place uh, with the parks and recreation master plan that the bridge project hasn't um, yet gone through. I think both of those projects are 2025 projects. So it's very likely as we get uh, closer to 2025 um, and some of that work starts to happen uh, that I would anticipate that bridge project um, going up in score actually. Um, so I think those are some of the things um, that we noted and highlighted. I don't know if anyone else on the, the MSO side would, uh, who's been working on this would have some additional um, comments as well.
6: Thank you. I did notice on the, the scoring matrix that um, four of the top five projects that scored the highest were parks and recs. Um, and then there was one, or top six, I should say. Then there was one. Uh, Um, stormwater one Um, you know there's a long list on this project list but I just thought it was interesting that the top five out of six I should say um, were parks and rec projects
12: I'd like to go back to the farmland if that's okay Mm -hmm. Um, on the uh, five and a quarter million that is uh, in the recommended budget for the farmland capital um, how is that being paid? What fund is that from?
16: Um, that project is identified to be uh, debt funded. Um, so uh, ultimately that annual debt service payment will come out of our uh, debt service fund.
12: Okay, and if you remind me, the debt service fund is paid for by property tax? Yes. So essentially Lawrence residents' property taxes are going to pay for the remediation of farmland and in this recommended budget.
16: Yes, it will be it will be supporting the debt service payments.
12: Okay, thank you.
0: Any other questions Commissioner bully at the moment. On. Commissioner on
3: so I. I think one of the benefits of going forth is that most of my, most of my questions are checked off. Um, but I did have...
0: Open you, cover the rest.
3: <laughs> well, I, I just want to bring one kind of macro question. And I acknowledge that, that we have a lot to talk about this evening. and We haven't done public comment yet. But one of the things that I was looking at in the budget by outcome area and thinking about our strategic plan and priority-based budgeting and how that will operate over time is how we get to a point where, or will we get to a point, is it our intention, particularly given the overlapping services, um, things that can be marked in in more than one category, or um, Danielle, you mentioned the internal service, that service and transfers kind of having to pick a spot. Um, Is there a way that at some point we we can look at this in, In our prioritization so not just having a strategic plan but prioritizing that Um, i think particularly around prosperity and economic security is two percent of our budget but it's literally the thing that will keep us from raising taxes and cutting services Um, is there a correlation in the success of providing more funds to that um Looking at our unmistakable identity in tourism, you know that's how we get increased sales tax revenue. So i just i'm I'm just curious if there is an intent eventually to get to a point at which we can kind of, you know we talked about having control over the levers and the ways that we we apply those. Um, what does that look like over time?
16: I'm happy to start, uh, but I know uh, Craig will, will uh, probably uh, provide a much, much better uh, detail and context to it. The short answer is yes. Um, the, the short answer is, as we really get into um, priority-based budgeting, um, the goal is to be able to say farmland, the full cost of farmland, using that as an example, costs us X. Um, and this is where it can be found within um, our budget and within our strategic plan. So that's ultimately where we are going um, this is just the first um, um, attempt and that first step in kind of moving us in that direction um, using our kind of historical um, 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 functions and departments and, and chart of accounts um, to to start to make that transition um, so I think you know each year that we um, really um present the budget to you. It will be much more detailed um, kind of in this framework and in this context um, to really help uh, to your point, Commissioner Ananda, um, be able to really kind of play and look at those different levers uh, that are at your disposal um, to, to really talk about um, those those funding priorities at that kind of macro um level um across the entire strategic plan and ultimately across our entire budget. So I don't know, Craig, if you have anything else to add, but um,
15: that's kind of my initial reaction um, yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely correct. Uh, the, the thing I would magnify uh and uh, maybe um, it, it's important that we understand, uh, I know the commission does because you've challenged us uh, over multiple years to, um, to go to a new place uh, in the way that we're doing our work. Um, there's enormous complexity in us transitioning into this kind of a budget approach um, that we've been at. Uh, diligently, And uh, we're also changing our accounting systems, which we've talked about in different meetings uh, at the same time, uh, you know, a, a very old system. Um, and we're thinking strategically. So it's not just the budgeting approach and um, the way that we're accounting for things all changing at the same time, but now we're overlaying what, in my opinion, is a very sophisticated approach to strategic planning for a municipality. So all that being said, and we're directly responsive to your question, um, there are also some things that are very important to our community, but aren't as expensive as others. So it's very important that we have utility systems, for instance, and those are always very expensive. Um, whereas you could do some important uh, programming, say economic development, which I think was to your point, um, we can be highly leveraged and make a big impact on some, um, uh, with some investment in the way we do economic development that can be a huge multiplier uh, to what we do. So that's an example of, we may always be at a small percentage of the total pie, being in some of these areas that are very important and where we make high impact.
3: Yeah, I think we'll see that over time kind of continue to shift as we have conversations about what that looks like and, and where we wanna put that um, and how interesting would it be to have those prioritized even in a percentage way and just as an experiment in our budget, um, how, we, how we allocate those things. So thanks for indulging me.
12: Well, Commissioner Ananda, if it makes you feel any better, if we put the 5.25 million in there, it would double the amount we put in <laughs> economic development, OK?
3: <laughs> so it would be 4%. <laughs> yeah.
15: Great example.
0: How do, how do you feel that uh, farmland remediation is economic development? But I guess there's some components. Oh.
6: Was a storage
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah other questions or
3: that that was the only one i didn't have checked off thank you
0: um a a few questions which which i think i know the answer to but i think uh um for the public and, and and make sure i'm clear on it um since we're on economic development the funding the recommended funding for the chamber peasley bdbc those sort of partners that's in here and is recommended to be the same as the previous years or any changes there?
16: Um, This is uh, Danielle uh, Bushcutter, and I know Britt just popped on. I think there are changes. Um, I can provide uh, kind of the high-level funding and then Britt, please uh, jump in and provide some additional context. And I apologize for the big flipping. I don't have that memorized. For, let me keep going um for uh peasley this uh in the prosperity and economic security there is 130,000 um here for peasley 220 for the chamber and 295 for uh, btbc which includes um, operations phase three and the incentives program i will pass it off to brit to add some um, additional context and i think answer part b of that question
21: Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. This is britt Crumkina, Economic Development Administrator for the city. Uh, as far as our outside economic development agencies, for the most part, we kept everything flat, uh, with the exception of Peasley. We've actually uh, taken about sixty thousand out of that to um, to fund other initiatives within our budget. Uh, Peasley has typically gets about 200,000 a year, but for the most part, they're self sufficient at this point. Um, what they did request and that we are going to fund is 130,000 for an uh, entrepreneurship incubator um, um, out at Peasley. So they have about 8,500 square feet that we're going to turn into um, this entrepreneurship uh, support facility with uh, all sorts of additional uh, it can be uh, makerspace it can be offices uh, so it has to do specifically with entrepreneurship support so that's what they are getting but in terms of the the traditional 200,000 for operations they no longer needed that and so this was an initiative um, that we felt would really help us move the needle when it comes to our strategic Plans, uh, especially around entrepreneurship and economic development. So that's that's probably the biggest change. I think we shaved off about five thousand from the BTBC uh, initiative fund or uh, incentives fund, and uh, so that was the major changes. To those agencies.
0: Thank you, Brett. And, and while we have you, can you talk a little bit about this? Um, I mean, I, I, we have the job description, and Danielle gave us the job description on the ED analyst, but tell us how that's a little bit, how how that's going to push us forward to have some more help in that area for you.
21: Yeah, Britt Concano Economic Development Administrator, yes, I'll be happy to address that. Uh, right now, we only have one full-time economic development staff member, which is me, and uh, we really have more than a full-time job um, Already, which is why Diane Stoddard has to pitch in and uh, spend her time as well working on economic development. Currently, um, our efforts in economic development really centers around uh, incentives. Anything from um, the analytics to the processing of approvals, to compliance, to reporting, to reimbursing, um, uh, for example, In 2022, we estimate we're going to run about $2.5 million in reimbursements through the Economic Development Office. So all those things uh, uh, take a significant amount of time. And then on the compliance end, um, our incentive programs are very long-lived. Tax abatements are 10 years. TIFs are 20. TDDs are 22. So the more projects we approve the more administration and compliance and reporting there is, and it just becomes, it grows exponentially. Um, we've always known this. Um, and we knew at some point we were gonna reach uh, the limit to capacity, which is, we have uh, reached that capacity. So in order to have any staff time to work on any of the strategic plan, and as you know, we have the economic development strategic plan as well as the city strategic plan, we've got several initiatives and a multitude of tactics. Um, so we just don't have the capacity to devote to that without bringing on additional staff. Um, we also have no one cross trained. So um, we're kind of in a precarious position. that if anything could happen to me, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I think it would leave the city in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. So we just. You know, we've been operating with one one staff member for eight years. <laughs> so it's just now, we've just now grown, um, we've outgrown this, this one position.
0: Thank you, Britt. Um, just to be sure the 400,000 we've talked about for um, the economic, I mean, redoing the development code that's in the recommended budget. yes
16: yes the the land development code work yes that's included in the, the recommended budget
0: um kind of on the human infrastructure side the two and a half percent um that, that is across the board for all employees absent the unions which i'll ask that next question is that the is that across the board two and a half percent uh this is
16: danielle yes and i don't know if um Lori Carnahan, with our um, efficient or engaged and empowered teams, wants to provide any any additional context to that.
0: But um, yes. And then I I know we're going to have the the union agreements, the three union agreements next week. Um, I guess without previewing those per se, I assume those are those in this budget, or are we going to make any depending what we do next week? Will that make us change the budget? Those are accommodated. In accommodated. The, in, yes. I assume Assume so. I just wanted to be sure. Lloyd, did you have anything to add? You jumped on. Okay. Um, so, and I don't know if this is for you, Craig, or, or Danielle. Obviously, we're using the ALPA funds, you know, to, to make sure we can... Um, you know, move our goals forward, which which I certainly support. If, if sales tax, for example, comes in stronger this year and comes in stronger next year, um, what do you see the use of those funds being? Are, are we going to then have some alpha funds to use on other projects, or you see that going into, um, you know, the bottom, you know, going into the reserve fund, which I think is going to be a 21 percent? Or how, do you have a plan for how you know, if the next six months comes in strong on sales tax, what what direction we head with those alpha funds? Uh,
15: I, I, I I would suggest that we uh, we start really planning for the. Getting the lines back together, the revenue and the expenditure lines back together, and get the structural deficit that we see coming uh, taken care of. Uh, the, you know, there are two in the 101, and I, I tried to be very clear in um, you know waving the red flag so we all are going in eyes wide open, um, but. You know, one-time expenditures for one-time revenue, ongoing expenditures for ongoing revenue. Um, that's something we need to get back to. So it depends on where, uh, if we see sales tax and we think that it's a predictable that we're going to be up at higher levels. Those are things that we can count on and we'll project those in multiple years. That those would be that. That's the good kind of revenue that we can start to address the ongoing structural deficit with. Uh, if we see some one-time expenditures, those are great opportunities for us to do things that aren't going to necessarily uh, be expenditures that we have to do year after year after year. So I, I think we'll probably have a nice list of those those uh, categorized that way that can make some real um, impacts here, and we've got a long list of those as well. And there's, I would also say that there's, uh, you know, we received $19 million in federal uh, uh, ARPA assistance. Um, We have um, way more than $19 million of qualifying expenditures for that. So if we do get some more revenue um, that offsets where we're uh, using some other areas, we still have opportunities to do good work.
0: Thank you for that. Um, my last couple questions relate to the housing initiatives, um, can the, 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 two new positions of the, 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 the housing project specialists, do we have an idea what their, their kind of job description would be or what are you seeing as, as what they would be doing?
25: This is Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Um, Craig, uh, are, are you okay with me jumping in here?
15: I was counting on it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
25: <laughs> We're on the same wavelength, that's good. Um, so, so uh, Mayor, to your question um, about sort of position, description, scope of work, um, we are drafting and we'll be working with um, some of our uh, partners, actually, uh, including, um, Kansas Department of Aging and Disability Services, as well as Douglas County and Burton Nash, to um, draft the uh, position description for the Homelessness Initiatives Coordinator. Um, and so, uh, part of part of the grant funds we uh, plan on receiving for that position uh, means that we need to we need to um, fulfill some of the the work expected by the state. Um, so they will have a say in that uh, for the um, project specialists uh, we really envision sort of a, a two-fold uh, approach one is an embedded position um, currently within our parks and rec uh, department and um, as you know that's a department that receives a lot of um, a lot of contact uh, with the public um, reg- related to um, related to activity associated with homelessness and so I uh, so that's going to be an embedded position, um, kind of, kind of just formalizing what is already uh, taking place, kind of on a day-to-day, uh, with, with day-to-day business. The second position will be more of a focused project specialist, project manager, um, that will help with our uh, planning initiatives, um, the system-level planning initiatives, and evaluation of plan implementation that's going on, um, and and then also working collaborative collaboratively with some of our community service agencies on those three goals that uh, that we're targeting for uh, city resources Uh, number one being uh, being uh, outreach street outreach number two being emergency sheltering number three being rapid rehousing and so working with um, with our vendors uh, who we expect to have uh, have Service agreements, service level agreements with, um, through a uh, RFP process, as well as um, other partner agencies. Uh, maybe, for example, um, Lawrence Douglas County Housing Authority, or tenants to homeowners as they pursue um, opportunities for uh, projects that add housing stock, um, so that then we can uh, then we can work with our partners at the county and, and their vendors on programming those and supporting the people who are in them.
0: Thank you for, for that. Um, I know that, of course, we've we've uh, rolled our outside agency funding and our um, special alcohol alcohol tax funding into this kind of initiative program. Is that correct? That's correct. And, I guess, um, and and so that'll be a, a, a process. Just a process at a later time in which we go through kind of like we've done historically an application process, um, but now it'll be focused on these primary outcomes.
25: Assistant city manager, Brandon McGuire. Yes, mayor. Uh, with the resource constraints around this proposed budget um, that is, that, that is really um where we're at is focusing dollars uh, that have previously, previously gone to other um, purposes or outcomes and trying to be very intentional about that. um, But also uh, trying to work on um, alternatives for some of those agencies that, that uh, very realistically may, may see this or take this as a loss um, based on their historic experience with us. Yeah. Well, certainly I think about the
0: process we go through. I guess the one kind of, when I look at this, the primary outcomes of of homeless outreach, emergency sheltering, rapid rehousing, it, it seems to me that kind of an important corollary to all of that is either what we call stabilization or shelter diversion, i.e. keeping people in their houses so we don't have to rapidly rehouse them. You know, you don't want to create a system that they, they lose their housing just so we have to pay to put them someplace else. Uh, it, it, we don't really have that stated there, but I, I, am I safe to assume that keeping people in their houses and, and, and kind of stabilization is, is part of this idea as well?
25: Assistant City Manager Brandon McGuire. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, I think what, what I've learned and observed is that um, any, any good service provider who's really worth their beans is doing, uh, they're doing diversion and you know diversion in the sense that they're they're trying to find that alternative to being homeless um and the, you know that's that's uh, a lot of times just questioning and, and doing good social work you know asking asking folks uh where can you go who can we call how can we help you get there um and to to try to prev- you know help help us move towards that that goal where homelessness is rare and and very brief when it happens
0: and i certainly Agree with that. I just want to make sure as we move towards that outside funding that we kind of make sure that's somehow incorporated in what we're, we're directing the funds to so we can consider that. Um, and I guess the only other thing I'd say on that is um, you know, obviously, one of our goals is housing first, which is what we're working towards. And again, you know, all of those things are assumed here in housing first, but I think anything that pushes us towards that goal is a is something we have to consider funding out of these funds again probably one in the same but um i just it's since it's not specifically stated i just want to throw that out there um okay that's all my questions mayor yep
3: may i ask one more question of course So one of the questions that we're looking at this evening is um, the recommendation that the mill levy remain flat. And I know, Craig, you like to bring us options. And I'm just curious, because I think that it's something that is important to understand, and this is my assumption, that if the commission were to say we want to reduce the mill levy, that any of those positions, for example, or some of our CIP items would be removed from our list of to do um, and if we were to want to increase the mill levy um, and obviously you're not asking for that but are there some dreams that could be realized in that or is that just we would do more of what we're doing um, that that we're reducing as a result of not increasing the mill levy uh,
15: thanks for the question I mean it- it, it goes back to what I said. There, there are millions of options, and I'm not dodging. I'm just saying that we, if if we were facing uh, increased opportunity, um, we would we would want to. I could offer some options on how how we think that that those next incremental um, moves would best fit what we understand. Um, you certainly uh, will have uh, very important perspectives related to that, and the community would as well. Um, and likewise, if we wanted to, if we wanted to be, uh, reduce, uh, our, what we're proposing to, to spend here to match a, a lowered tax, um, rate, we, we would offer some alternatives, uh, using the same process. So the lowest priorities we would try to address. And, um, if we, if we could, uh, improve where we're at, we would offer the highest priorities.
3: Thanks
0: other questions before we open it to public comment
4: uh, I was gonna say I, I like Commissioner uh, Boley have some um, things in the CIP that I would love to bandy about with you but I think I'd rather hear public comment and make that part of our comments if that works
0: yeah I think that's great that's ahead and open it up to public comment um, first we'll ask for public comment to people here and then folks online so any person here would like to make public comment on up you'll have three minutes
26: hopefully it won't take me that long okay uh phil englehart uh as i've written or communicated with several of you we're kind of late to the 2022 process but we're trying to get our feet wet with respect to 23 and beyond uh in strategic plan and budgeting you know i sent a thing out today and if you all saw it that's fine it's in the agenda uh Try to make it less than three minutes. Uh, really, we're really impressed with the strategic plan and its potential. Uh, we're really looking forward to seeing next year, you know, a year from now, how those progr- how those scorecard indicators line up with the outcomes with respect to the budget that you all are approving this year. You know, how much progress have we made on those outcomes? And I realize it, as the city administrator said, that it's a several-year deal. You're trying to do three different things at one time, you know, which is which is laudable, but perhaps foolish. Uh, <laughs> you know the uh, this, the second thing, uh, and and I, and I spoke at the break there with with Craig, and and uh, and, I, and I also had some communication with Brad. When you all are putting together. This this CIP budget in particular, uh, but but the entire budget package for that matter, I I think for public consumption, okay, you can't have a hundred pages of stuff that involves trying to interpret municipal finance specialties. You've got to condense it down to a form that the public can understand. So that in two years, if you all have to come back and say, hey, we've got to raise the mill levy, okay? You can show us, you can provide us a basis, an historical basis for why you need to do that, deferred maintenance. If that's the deal, then then you can show us historically why that needs to be done. And then you can also use it to project forward. So, you know, again, this is high-level view of stuff that I try to write. Uh, hopefully next year, and I think I, Stuart and I are on the same page here, hopefully next year's budget will, will more directly indicate the, cap, the, the capital expenditures, more, more directly integrate the CIP into the budget presentation that's made to the public. Because you all you all seem to be in some in some instances anyway guessing, and I certainly was guessing when I was trying to look at it. So those are my comments. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Anyone else present like to make a comment? Seeing none, um, if a person online would like to make a comment, please raise your hand using the raise your hand function or indicate otherwise. And Shay will call upon you.
2: Patrick Wilbur.
27: Good evening, commissioners. Um, I'm Patrick Wilbur and I just wanted to speak tonight um, to the pass through funds that went to the county for fire and medical. Um, the first thing I wanted to do was in the say something nice department was to uh, give props to the city staff and county staff for working on that agreement and continue to work on the agreements. Um, that's gonna be great for me as somebody who lives in the city and there'll be fair agreements. So um, like to see that happening and, and uh, Thank you for doing that. Uh, The mayor mentioned earlier um, the goal of keeping people in their houses. And one thing I wanted to address tonight was the people who are almost out of their houses. Um, Right now, if we don't offer some kind of relief, I fear that we're going to see some of these problems recycle themselves with people being pushed out of their homes, perhaps even becoming houseless for a while. I would like to see the city commission redirect those funds that were passed through the county to the taxpayer. Certainly there was a draft budget in mind before that agreement was made. And since those funds went directly to the county, the county obviously is planning on raising uh, their mill levy, which is gonna hit all of us. And it's gonna be tough for people who to take on that raise plus something that remains flat at the city level because as you know, property valuations are going up quite a bit right now. So it is a tax rate. flat mill levy is a tax raise, as we know. Um, So what I'm asking you to do is to find a $383 million budget is to find about two and a half million that you can live without for a year and return that savings to the taxpayers and make sure that all of us are able to pay the bills and all of us can stay in our homes. And next year we can reevaluate this, but um, I'm not sure people can take on a tax raise at this point after the year we've had. Thanks,
2: Chris
18: Flowers. Hi, um, this is Chris Flowers, and I just I'd like to kind of echo those those comments that he just made, but also um, I, I sent in stuff, so I I'm. Not going to really go on that, but I just um, want to add that um, we just gave some of our top like we just let let it be so that our some of our employees no longer have to live in Lawrence. Can that be their raise for this year? Because we've already given them something to be competitive with the other cities. And also I was looking on open payrolls and like, they, they, you can look at, like, the top 100, like, paid employees of each city and stuff, and then it gives, like, rankings. And when it comes to, like, Topeka, um, like, when it comes to highest pay in cities, we're ranked 152nd. But Topeka is, like, 168th. Manhattan's 258th. Wichita's 272. Um, it's only when you go and look at the Kansas city suburbs, like they're the ones that are paying more than us, but the rest of the state they're paying less. So I was also just thinking, if we're not making our employees live here anymore, are there any jobs that we can can let people to commute like maybe once or twice a week from, and they do the rest of the work from home? Like if we can do that, then we can let some of our employees go to the suburbs, but then we can go after like Topeka and Manhattan. If they only have to come here like once a week, we can be paying them less because then we're competing. We need to learn how, how do we compete with the rest of the state and take their employees when the Kansas city suburbs take ours. So I think that's something you all should like start thinking about seriously. Cause if we just have that pandemic and we're learning you, you can do stuff from home, then we, we could really get a leg up on some of the other cities. And also we do need to raise all our employee wages to be living wages. Like you were talking about lifeguards earlier. If they were paid living wages, I don't think there would be a lifeguard shortage and also, I just have a quick question is ours, are we giving any money to um, live well, the, the organizations that, that's pushing anti-tobacco on us? I, I don't know if we are or not. I didn't see anything in the, in the budget about it, but I, I was just curious. So thank you.
21: Michael Holman.
22: Hi, I'm Michael Holman. Um, I have three areas that I'd like to address before uh, staff or whoever gives a response. Uh, first of all, on page 58, um, the the position, the new position, sustainability analyst, what department would that person be in? And then secondly, uh, the, the word sustainability, does that mean that that squirrely term like sustainable growth or economic sustainability or i mean it's it's played with so much it really should mean ecological sustainability and i don't know how it's implied in this case and i'd like to know um secondly the vehicle replacement program and the capital improvements plan um generally vehicles are replaced on a 12 to 15 year cycle um We have 14 years before the city reaches 100% renewable energy. It seems like we ought to be addressing electric vehicles in a lot of our replacements and the low hanging fruit I would see, and that would be the police interceptors. Uh, There are Tesla cars right now being used in Great Britain and elsewhere that are working very well as police interceptors. Um, But thirdly, um during the street maintenance discussion back on May 14th, the mayor had indicated that, he, that the commission would like to keep their options open on whether to fund the Atchison Creek Trail in this budget. Um, from all indications, the negotiations with KU and Evergy seem to be going pretty well, although the city engineer has indicated that he hasn't negotiated KU to pay any money to a trail that they have in their 10-year plan. So that funding of 573,000, which is indicated as unfunded in the capital improvements plan, I think we'd better negotiate more strongly, maybe get somebody else to negotiate that with KU so that they pay their fair share for a trail that they've indicated that they want to take place. So that's my comments, and I appreciate if somebody might provide some insights, some answers into that. Thanks a lot.
2: Is there any other public comment on this item? Chad Osdale.
14: Good evening. I, uh could be wrong, but I did not hear anything uh, about merit pool funding. I assume that that means there is none. Uh, Second, uh, the uh, general wage adjustment that the analyst or the consultant uh, had set up four years ago was supposed to give us a 2.5% general wage adjustment the first year, 1.5% the second year, and a 2.5% general wage adjustment the third year, which would be this year. And you found a nice way of saying that you're going to cut our uh, 2.5% in half by saying it's going to be spread out over two years. But uh, you cut the 1.5% last year to a half a percent, you're gonna cut this one in half to what, one and a quarter? Uh, Do we have any chance of getting that 1% that you denied us last year back? Or is that just gone? I mean, it's just what you agreed to. No reason to follow an agreement, is there? Uh, If there was something I could have changed on the budget It would be funding to the merit pools and two and a half percent general wage adjustment in full, not cut in half. And then on the fact that you're losing employees, can you imagine that anybody would want to work here when you tell them this is the way you're treated and this is the way you're going to be paid and then turn around and, uh, do the exact opposite of what you agreed to in writing. Um, but I should be used to that by now, huh? I'm sorry. Have a good evening.
2: Is there any other public comment on this item? That's all the comment there.
0: Thank you, Sarah. I'll bring it back and Maybe ask a couple of those um, questions, and if I miss some, people can follow in. Um, Just to be clear, is the recommendation a full 2.5% this year and 2.5% again next year? I don't know if that's for Craig or Danielle or Lori.
16: This is Lori Carnahan, Director of Human Resources. The 2.5% is a full 2.5%
18: in 2022 and um, at two and a half percent in 2023 as well. Um, and there, there is, uh,
16: we have separated the um, structure of the pay plan from the performance at this point in time as the consultant did recommend until we were able to really fully fund that, that we should do some of our other things first and we will be working on getting people placed inside those pay
7: grades where they should be both in 22 and in 23 to finish up the recommendations.
0: And so and so again, I think your second answer was that there is no merit pool, right? Just to be clear, to answer his question.
18: That no merit pool for yeah. 22, correct?
0: That's why I understood it. Um, I think I know the answer, but Danielle, someone talk about the sustainability analyst and what department that is in and what the purpose of that is.
16: Yeah, sure. Um, So it is uh, within our environmental sustainability. So Jasmine Moore is our director of um, uh, sustainability. And so this position would um, be 100 percent city funded and report to her to really move forward the initiatives on those environmental sustainability commitment um, uh, initiatives. Um, that are included in the strategic plan. So it is within um, that environmental sustainability um, um, lens uh, within the budget.
0: And then I guess there was a question or comment about moving towards electric vehicles. I assume we'll take that up as we look at vehicles along the way. Um, And then the third question was about the Atchison Creek Trail. Any update on that discussion
16: um this is danielle bushcutter um i do not have an update on that particular uh project i don't know if anyone else on the staff side um can provide an update but um i would ha- i would have to follow up and and report back on that one i do not know offhand
23: danielle this is dave cronin city engineer i can provide a brief update we're having conversations with um everg and ku endowment um, in relation to um, Evergy's special use permit for their pad site there um, um, on the uh, KU endowment ground. So we're looking at their engineer, um, Evergy's engineer is gonna look at providing um, a, uh, a design that would incorporate our future extension of the, um, the bike path that is to the south uh, in the Heatherwood neighborhood. Uh, further to the north so they're going to review different options we don't have details on costs or any plans further to the north of the uh, Evergy project Um, we do want to start having conversations with KU on endowment on at least um, getting uh, easements um, that we could build the the path in the future so those conversations are ongoing and um, we hope to be able to work together and if there's some economies to build the trail we would seek a uh, partnership with with them on the project
0: thank you okay other commissioners have questions uh, excuse
12: comments me, yeah go ahead chris had a question about whether livewell lawrence was funded through this budget that's right uh
16: this is danielle i am not aware of any programmed funding for uh live well in this uh budget proposal at this time
0: Thank you for that.
6: Okay. Yeah, Mayor, I just had a, wanted to go back to the electric uh, vehicle issue. Could somebody from staff explain to me are Are we developing a plan just to eventually switch over to electric vehicles for some of our our vehicles? We have a plan. This is Danielle.
16: I would. I saw Mike. You uh, just popped on. I would. I would pass that over to. Um, some of our municipal services and operations staff that will be able
20: to provide a lot more detail about. sorry <clears throat> um michael Wallace, deputy director for municipal Services and operations um right now we're in the process of developing um, an rfp that will go out looking for a consultant to help us um, develop a, um, a transition plan from the fleet as it is today to where we want to be in the future, that's more um, efficient and alternative sources, um, but yet we'll still meet the technology that's available today and what we expect to have in the future, as well as look at, you know, planning for that infrastructure that we need um, to be in place in order to to be able to handle those um, different types of vehicles, whether it be EV or um otherwise and so right now we're in the process of of developing that um, request for proposals
6: thank you Mike
0: okay bring it back to the Commission comments questions direction for next week we come back I guess to talk about the the rates so
4: Um, There was a CIP item I was a little interested in, um, which is page 32 for those of us that printed it off. Um, It's the 6th and Massachusetts Street traffic signal replacement, which includes 6th and Kentucky, 6th and Vermont, and and 6th and Massachusetts. And I think a lot of us have seen um, a presentation by a group here in town who's been working on kind of reimagining that whole area um, in terms of art, in terms of accessibility, in terms of access to the river. Um, uh, and so I, I do see here some pretty specific um, uh, direction from staff that it it needs to be updated. I just also wanna be sure that we don't um, You know, if we get a public-private partnership going and there's lots of momentum on this, and I feel like there is right now, um, that we don't uh, buy something we're going to rather have done something different a year later.
0: I think that's hard to argue with.
4: (laughs) Dave Cronin might have an opinion here. Maybe MSO does. I don't. Um, Go ahead, ahead,
23: Dave. Oh, sorry, Um, Nick. You can probably speak to this, but Dave Cronin, city engineer. um, I think the the project, the Sixth and Mass Signal projects, mainly replacing poles and equipment, um, updating the um, the uh, pedestrian the pedestrian activated signals as well and so um we could certainly keep open the conversation of tying that into another separate project with that area but it's more equipment related and not geometrics or design related um, as far as crossings or bridges or that sort of stuff so it's mainly focused on equipment
4: Um, and then my other question, not surprisingly going to be sidewalk related, (laughs) um, uh, and I'm sure, oh, there he is, Jake's here, um, the amount of money, and I think it was the same this year, I'm not sure, um, that, um, you tend to budget for these CIP items for, um, uh, sidewalks, so there's one for each year, 22, um, 23, 24, 25. Um, uh, it's the same for every year that, that you put it here, but I'm unclear what that's based on. As far as I know, we have still not gotten our data back. Um, I think we were hoping to get it in October, and I, I, I wondered how you came upon this number.
13: Dick Baldwin, Engineering Program Manager, uh, Commissioner Shipley, I'm not sure I have a real good answer for you. I, I feel like this is the the budget that was initially established, and we've just been carrying it over. Um, maybe somebody else can elaborate.
16: This is Danielle. I think um, I think that is accurate, um, and I think you know as we continue to move our, our CIP and our maintenance uh, budgets and, um, uh, vehicle and equipment replacement budgets forward. I think those are the things that we'll continue to review and analyze, um, as we continue this refinement of, of tying our, our budget to our strategic plan and, and our priorities. Yeah, uh,
19: Dave Wagner, director for the MSO.
0: I... <laughs> no. You muted yourself, David.
19: <laughs> Sorry, My mouth quit on me. Anyway, Dave Wagner, MSO. Um, I just kind of want to add. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we finally got our information from our lidar scans on on uh, sidewalks. We haven't had the chance to look at that and implement that, and helping us make some priorities and then getting p- bigger picture needs that are more accurate, and then then being able to to you know to, to present the need along with a program that um, it might take a couple of decades, but gets after some of those issues. And it's not just about sidewalks, but all of the assets, so it's part of that. It's part of that. Know what you got before we can really set priorities. In some cases, with what we own and what we need to take care of, and understand the total need, you know. And I, I, I push uh, uh, Jake and some of the other staff to throw numbers out. And boy, are they hesitant because they know, they know they don't have a foundation for it when it comes to what what is the need. Um, but I think we're working on that. I think you'll be. You know, I've said it. I'll probably say it um a lot you'll probably continue to hear it. we'll be better off next year in these kind of things than we are this year but we've got a long way to go and uh i'm I'm glad we're headed down that road and it's sorely needed but um some of the things we're still flying by the seat of our pants and some of the things i think we'll we'll do the best we can with what we have uh, until we can really get good accurate data and numbers on conditions and assets so It's a little broader answer, I think, Commissioner Shipley, than you were looking for, maybe, but I wanted to throw that out there for you.
4: Thanks. Uh, Do you have a a timeline when you can show us something with that data?
19: Um, I do not. I know that the the teams that are working on that are are right now looking at uh, asset management. I know you asked about uh, tracking costs on some of the operations and as we do that, it'll include better workflow systems than we have today so we can allocate our costs. So they're they're stuck in that area right now and they've got a lot of other asset information. We're really focusing on stormwater hard right now. And, and um, for, for some obvious reasons, um, you know, that we, we go where the pains and the people are screaming probably to some degree, not that sidewalks aren't important or all the other assets too, but. kind of we're kind of picking there so even we've just had it we have not had a chance to really even unfold it and look at at what was presented in that data so it's going to be a little while but i I really can't give you a timeline i'm sorry about that
4: it's okay um i'm not sure who it will surprise for me to say that um i I would rather um in the with the lack of data and the lack of another plan that makes it more equitable, I would rather move that money to something else that we need right now um so I'm sure you didn't expect me to say that but um uh, i did so um but I, the other thing I wanted to ask about this is I noticed in a number of parks and rec um uh cip requests that ada compliance and ada ramps were part um, of their needs and i started to think about that and i just couldn't remember if um parks and rec had ever had cdbg money or some of the other um, sources that we tend to use for ada ramps and um, sidewalks Um, or if it seems to me they they kind of um, get used by MSO and, and, and planning projects. Um, do you know if, if Parks and Rec has been able to access some of those grants for their ADA needs?
24: Mark Hecker, Assistant Director of Parks and Rec. It, to this point, we really haven't accessed that funding source. Uh, it might be something we look at in the future. As we look at ADA compliance, you know, with obviously we hired an ADA compliance coordinator to look at just citywide where some of our um, need for improvement is. So that's what you're seeing in the CIP. Is some of those projects we've identified as we look through the, the a different lens a little bit on where we can do a little bit better on each of these facilities.
4: All right. Well, don't let yourself get elbowed out of that money by the other departments. <laughs> Thank you,
0: Mayor. Anything else? Well, I just want to echo Craig's comments, but also add Craig to the list of people who thank for getting this budget together, along with Danielle, Jeremy, and the entire team. I know all the effort that that went into this. Um, You know, we've been talking a long time about um, and some of you longer than I have about priority-based budgeting, the strategic plan, and, and making a budget, um, you know, come into line with that. And um, you know, obviously, this is the first step, but it's a very important step. And, and you know, I'm excited about it, and excited about all the work that uh, you know, all our employees have put into that. Um, and I guess I would also add that, um, you know, you know, the ALPA funds allowing us to to start moving ahead on our strategic plan in ways that without those funds we would basically be punting until 2023 or 2024 and and um you know waiting to implement the plan and and so to be able to to jump start this and move in this direction um and use those alpha funds for that purpose i think is it's exactly as craig said exactly what they were meant f- to do and i think it's going to Um, you know pay off for us in the long run this is a long-term project but if we had to put it off another year or two um, you know it it, a lot of the momentum we have would be lost so I'm excited that that we have a budget that that implements that and and that we can use those funds in that way now hopefully sales tax come in strong hopefully um, property tax comes in and, and we have some other options with that but but certainly this gives us the backstop to start that process so appreciate that and and know that we have work ahead of us in the coming years. Um, but we have the strategic plan to guide us. And we'll, and we'll work with the public and work with our teams to make that happen. So it's an exciting time. So, Other comments before we close the work session? Seeing none, we'll close the work session and move to commission items. any commission items seen none we'll go to the city managers report
15: uh, really only one uh, note on this and that is to recognize um, one of our uh, planning and development services employees uh, adrian jones uh, who's a senior plans examiner has been appointed to um, the uh, international energy conservation code uh, commercial energy code consensus committee uh that these uh these international code council um, committees are um very important and the fact that we have a contributing member to um, any of them is uh, significant and speaks to um, the way they're viewed uh, by their industry so uh, and it'll also my experience with having members that participate in these is it really does give us an insight um, to keep on the the cutting edge of what's coming and to prepare for that um, and understand the why behind um a lot of these changes and movements especially with the uh, energy code changes that have happened over the last several years so it's pretty exciting and uh, good recognition
0: excellent the, uh, that's a a great recognition um any other qu- any questions from commissioners on that item is a public queuing item if any member of the public would like to speak on one of those two items If you're present, see none. Anyone online like to speak to one of those two items? Sherry will call upon you.
2: There's no public comment there.
0: Thank you. That takes us to the calendar and the review of calendar items. Um, I would just note I am going to be on vacation at August 3rd, and so Vice Mayor Shipley, I think you'll... You'll be here to run the meeting? I'll be up. Okay. Excellent. Um, any other comments or questions on the calendar? Well, that brings us to adjournment then.
3: Move to adjourn. Second.
0: Moved by Commissioner Nanda, second by Vice Mayor Shipley. To adjourn, all those in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Passes 5-0. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.